across the margin. Across the margin podcast. beyond the margin, behind the scenes of the magazine, and deeper into the stories. Today, as my guest, I have Mitch Lucas, who's a, who's a very talented uh, New York-based uh, director. He's a comedian, um, and I'm, I'm going to try to jump right into the interview here, because me and Mitch, uh, we, we went rather long with this interview, and it's... it's um, and because, you know, he's such a fun person to talk to, uh, and, and, you know, we have a lot of shared interest, and his, his, um, his influences and, and, and his interests are, are so vast that there was so much uh, to get into, but um, when I do release um, the podcast, I always release an article with it, and um, I'm going to have a bunch of links uh, for everyone out there to, to learn more about Mitch, and specifically some of the work he's done. There's There's... You know some of the shorts and and um, comedic shorts and and and, and such. Uh, one being Shog- uh, Shogun of the Upper East Side, another Cash for Pizza, another The Reunion. Um, I really I really uh, hope that you'll check those out just to see what what, what those really displays. Um, a talented young filmmaker with with a unique uh, you know stylistic approach, and um, I think they also. Are, are proof positive that, that Mitch is someone to keep an eye on as a filmmaker. Um, he also is, uh, he performs weekly at the People's Improv Theater in New York um, with his house team. It's an improv team um, called Gypsy Danger. So that's Saturdays, every Saturday at 8 p.m. So that's worth checking out. But uh, like I said, we went long, but uh, we had a lot of fun. And I think, I think you will as well if uh, you ride this out with us. So... Um, here we are with Mitch Lucas. Mitch, Mitch Lucas, uh, thank you for joining us today Beyond the Margin. Yeah, thanks for having me. No problem. It's, um, I'm happy to be here in Park Slope. Yes, you can make, thank you for making the track too. I know you're on yeah. the Upper East Side. It's a cold, rainy night as well. This was a very, uh, like, Holden Caulfield trip over here. It yes, is, in yeah. all way. Just like... It just felt very dark and gloomy yes. and very timeless New York from where I began and where I am now. Yes. No, I mean, the, the, the clouds are covering all yeah. the buildings. There's an ominous, I, I feel like the word's overused, but there's an ominous feeling out there in the world right now. Yeah. I went from sort of a very timeless part of New York. Yeah. I got on the train. I was on a train for about an hour and 20 minutes. Yep. I get out. I'm in a very timeless part of New York. So Absolutely. Yes, I skipped so everything having, else. What you're saying is you're having, it's quite a New York moment going yeah. on right here. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, not only am I thrilled to have you here just because I love your work. I've, I've gotten to see you uh, uh, do improv, gotten to see some of your film work and everything. But uh, I mean, I just, you're, you're a fine human being that I enjoy talking to. So it's, again, thank you. Um, one thing I do with a lot of, uh, you know, artists, writers, who, whatever I have musicians have in here is um, I think it's just a great way to, to discuss their art by finding more about them. You find out what their influences are, where they came from, and it just kind of helps shape and, and make the whole picture of what you do make sense. And um, That's so, exciting. So what I feel saying, like everything I do is yeah. based on the fact that it's stuff that I was into when I was a kid. Yes. No, exactly. It's, I mean, that's good. So let's, let's, let's start from the top. I mean, I mean, straight up, born in, you're, you're, from, you're from Tennessee. Bristol, Tennessee. Yeah. So NASCAR, um, Bristol Motor Speedway is like right next to the hospital that I That's, was born. I actually, I went to school down in southwestern Virginia. Okay. Um, and so Bristol wasn't far. I drove there. That's that's Bristol yeah. Motor Speedway was. That's there. It's huge. It is huge. It's they wild. recently had the biggest, maybe the biggest college football game the, of the all time. Big, the biggest, I know, because that was my college. I wanted to say it like that so that if I said it very <laughs> like confidently that you wouldn't be like, well, yeah, within actually, the past decade. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, they just had the, uh, the biggest, the most people attend. Uh, a single college football a game. A single college football yeah. game. I don't know the number. I was, so I was born like very close to that. Yeah. To that, uh, I can't tell you what hospital it was because I I haven't done my homework. But do you not know what hospital you were born? No, I yeah. don't. But uh, that that if that is in dazing, uh, not dazing view, days of thunder. Is oh, it. is it? Yeah, yeah. No, There's a montage the- where he's trying to figure out how to race. Yes, and it's like him losing in all the races right after he you know, gets his opportunity. It's just that montage of him sucking and Bristol is one of the places that he... What he did. Because it's yeah. a huge stop on the tour, right? It is. Which is... Amazing. But it's a short track is what I... It's a short track. I know what very little about. So, you were you growing up so close to it, it mm-hmm. was nothing you fell into. It was not a, something you enjoyed. No. It was something that seemed very complicated to me. Yeah. But cars, I'm not a car guy. It, take, it, it seems like it takes them forever to get anything started. Yeah. Like, a, like to go for a little while. A lot of hurry up and wait. Right. <laughs> like, you always think they're in a caution. Mm-hmm. And, and then they get, because I went to maybe one race. I don't think it was, it wasn't there. It was like a smaller track or it was amateur or something. Yeah. But you'd wait for like 30 minutes before they got anything going. They'd go one mile and then they'd and then caution it out. And okay. then everybody, and every, but when they do that one mile, everybody freak out. Yeah. Just to see them go around once. Yeah. And I was like, we got like 50 more of these, you yeah. know, so we'll be here all it night. Did, it just didn't take. No. It did. What, what, um, what was going on? So what were your first, uh, I mean, we're going to get right into film, right? We're right. Sure. Yeah. Movies right off right. the bat. It was all about, I think, growing up, growing up in Tennessee, it was, I'll tell you exactly what it was. I had all female cousins, okay. right? And I had a big sister. Wow. So, growing up... Did you have a bunch of them? Like, good yeah, size family. Five or right? six female cousins. Okay. All of the males were sort of older than me. Yeah. And doing football or, or sort of... I was like a little... Like, five or six years old, they were in junior high or high school. Great, so you missed like that batch. Yeah. yeah. So, I was going to hang out with my... my cousins that were females because they were funny and, you know, it seemed like they were always doing cool stuff, but... 
my sister sort of didn't like me hanging around screwing that up. So I was by myself a lot, and my mom would drop me off at Bristol Mall, where yeah. the movie theater is. Like every back in the eighties, that's where you went and saw movies, right? Totally. The mall. Absolutely. Now that's a dying art. That sucks. But it's uh, it was an amazing thing to get there. Yeah. And this is gonna sound just like strange, but there was sort of the disabled ramp. So on both sides, when you go to the okay. entrance of the theater, yeah, there was around, like a long ramp, and, yeah. a, and it goes back. <laughs> Where are you going with this? And it, it was always like, I didn't even know what that was. Yeah. But I, that was part of going to the movie, was to race that. Whoever you went with would go on so one side, you oh, go on the other, one person to do that race. Side, one yeah. the other, yes. That, that in, in my mind, that was like a ride totally. that you went on before, you know, before you saw the movie. But I was, I was there a by myself a lot and the movies that would randomly play in a place where no one would ever want to see these movies yeah. were like the first memory I had of just really being like I might be the only person on earth that wants to see this is Time Bandits okay so Time Bandits Terry, uh, Terry Gilliam, yeah. Gilliam it's you know dwarfs find a portal to go to all the different yeah. uh you know, if you talk about like a log line it's so hard to think of a, a log line that yeah. couldn't grab people's attention totally Dwarfs find a time What's the elevator pitch portal. on, on Time Bandits? Yeah, to rob all the people from all the all the all the rich people from all different time yeah. time periods. Yeah. It's insane. And there's randomly giants and, and trolls there. Did you have any Monty Python experience up in that or just did you just That was I, what I knew of Monty Python. Yeah, yeah. And probably for many years I didn't know uh, about Monty Python. Yeah. So when I would see them popping up in things, I, it always was like, oh, those are the guys, those are the guys that's from the, Time Bandits. Time Bandits. Yeah. yeah. And uh, have so you seen Time Bandits? Uh, it's been many, many years. Okay. I, I need to remember. Yes, the answer is yes. But it's one of the strangest movies it's and one of the, the best comedies I've ever, yeah. uh, I've ever seen. Yeah. So, yeah. That, so that had to be wide open. That yeah. Was, so that was like, I think that came out in 82, I'm going to guess, or okay. 81. So I would have been seven. Yeah. That was the first time I saw a movie and was like, I've never... I've never thought about anything being funny like this in the way that I feel like this is funny yeah. right now. And it also has the the hook of a little kid going... They brought they bring this little kid... On a journey. On this journey. Yeah. The, like the James the Giant Peach or something where they just exactly. get into this whole new world. And, and, exactly. And He's along. brought from the real yeah, world into the fantasy world yeah. along this ride. So, and you're so that's pulling kid. you in. You're, that's you. You're, yeah. the, you're with the protagonist on that. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and so... That has you has you going wild. I mean, but this is at the same time, and obviously we've had many Star Wars discussions and, yeah. and over the years. Um, you had to stumble into theater for Empire, or, or did so you? yeah. I you have four years on me, so like like I caught Return mm-hmm. in, in the theater, but I, I caught I just, Empire. I my brother was going to see Empire, and I couldn't go, and I was so <laughs> pissed. But you you saw in the theater. my. My knowledge of Star Wars started from the toys because yeah. I was only three when Star Wars came out. Same so I grew up and it existed. Yeah. And then the toys would come in and I and so I had like the Millennium Falcon mm-hmm. and all these things mm-hmm. before I ever saw the movie. Yep. You know? Yep. And so my first entry into Star Wars was Empire Strikes Back and I didn't even know this. I think I had like the storybook record or something okay. for Star Wars so something that I knew the gist of what it was. Yeah. 
But I didn't see Star Wars until they re-released it. Oh, yeah. Which they did back then. They would re-release them around Definitely. the time yeah. that the other one came out. I was going to say, yeah, that was right around. So you're able to see kind of both and catch up. Then. Yeah. So I saw Empire First, was blown away. Yeah. And that, and my dad went, and I I know my dad wasn't really interested or fell asleep or something like that. Yeah. But, I, but I, the only thing I remember about the specific viewing of it the first time was Yoda. That, that stuck. floored me. Yeah. He to me was so uh, was so funny, but there's also a part where I just remember as like a kid being very affected by he gets his feelings hurt at one point where he's like I'm sure defending oh, himself. Yes, yes. <laughs> no, I want this. I just remember as a kid being like, leave him alone. Like, why is Luke being such an asshole? Like, let the little guy have the hell He's old as hell. Yeah. And I just also remember, they, it looked like he was eating fish sticks. That's a big thing that I remember. Oh, yeah. It was, it was right around the top. That's He has a temper tantrum in his room. Mm-hmm. You see him. Yes. Yeah. So it's just like, that stuck with me as yeah. that, in terms of that viewing. And then I saw Star Wars later. But that stuff was just... E.T. as well. It's got to be in the mix. And... E.T. is funny because I was going with my friend Greg, who, yeah. I, who I might bring up later. Sure. Since I don't know his last name, it probably won't hurt. Just to sell Greg. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, he and I were going to go see Firefox, mm-hmm. the Clint Eastwood. I think it was Clint yeah. Eastwood. That's about planes or something. We were in the parking lot, and we were like, it's all about Firefox. And E.T. seemed dopey and corny to me. Yeah. It seemed like... Um, it seemed like the knockoffs of E.T. that came after. Okay. Like, I can't think of any right now, but the, every everyone oh, that had a little one. kid who found an alien, you know? That was what Mac I... Mac and me. Mac and me. Mac, go. That is literally the, the one... I was like, me, something me. me. Mac and me, I got it. But that's what I thought E.T. was yeah. going to be. Yeah. E.T. blew me away. Totally. Um, yeah, there was nuance. It was, it was, it was absolutely... I'll tell you what blew me away about it was... The kitchen scene in the beginning when the yeah. mom brings him or somebody gets pizza or they're all having that thing where everyone is talking at the same time. Yeah. It's like both Jaws and E.T. have openings that are families yeah. having fun, non-serious disarray. Totally. Everything's going on in the Bring kitchen. You, that's, that's, I find that relatable. Did you yes. find that relatable? So it yeah. you it right made me away. feel You're like that, that was world. my kitchen. Yes. I recognized the plates. Yeah. Like, I was like, yeah. oh, we have that cup, or yeah. we have those plates. Jaws was even maybe bigger, but, like, yeah. E.T., I just remembered. I was like, this is like me hanging out in my kitchen. Totally. You know? Yeah, Jaws with me, I have uh, a lot of New England family, so, like, it looked like my uncles. And, like, just, like, it's... Jaws was more like me. That's my number one favorite movie. I don't it know is. If I put that in one? The, yeah, I don't okay. know if I gave you that. No, 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 no. I did not So, Jaws is, everything goes back to Jaws for me. Wow. And that is more like... Uh, as I grow older, it was like, I wonder what that world is like. I just yeah. went to Montauk for the first time less than a month ago, not even a month ago. What did you think? Have you been to Martha's Sorry, I want to hear about that. Did you, have you been to Martha's Vineyard then? Like no. Martha's so Montauk is sort of a closer... Absolutely. But the only reason town. I was... It's, it's, yeah. It's town, yeah. But of course, the reason I was so excited about going was because of Quint talking about the, the yes. bite he gets in Montauk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which did, to me is like when I went there and didn't see any quints around, I was slightly disappointed. Yeah, but of, it's still very. Pictures, far out. <laughs> we went. We, it was pretty off season, so it was okay. all locals. Totally. But it's, it's mellow now. I was there recently as well. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty it's chill. It's pretty it, chill. Man. I love it. Um, can, well, we'll can keep I, it. Can, can we'll we keep elaborate it. on that? What? Yeah. 
what really gets you about Jaws? Why is mm-hmm. it your favorite film? And what, you know, and I'd like to even know in what ways it inspires your filmmaking or writing now. It's maybe something that I haven't even figured out for okay, myself. Sure. Just <clears throat> but I'll tell you, I can give you specific examples or specific feelings about it. Sure. But it, uh, as you watch it numerous times uh, growing up, you're always seeing it on VHS and then you see it on Blu-ray and, or whatever. And you start to get this sense of like, I know it so well, but I know it in this language on my television yeah. and it looks yeah. a certain way. And I, and I start, you start to feel like I'm so, I'm so knowledgeable or I'm so familiar with this, you know, that it's, it's us, it's like a song or your favorite album yeah. that isn't even that exciting to you anymore, totally. but it's like a language of itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. just, there's little lines in there that like, you know, just him saying, let Polly do the printing. What's wrong with my printing? Yeah. Let Polly do the printing. And it's just. The way it'll happen, like the way the the dialogue happens so fast and it happens so naturally, it's just sort of not hypnotic to me. Yeah. But one of the more recent sort of discoveries of the movie is the Metrograph Theater mm-hmm. down on Lower East Side. Yeah. Uh, our mutual buddy Paul Gakowski yes, and I. Shout out to Paul. The, the yeah. reason uh, you're sitting here right now is exactly. Because I know the we wouldn't know. We wouldn't have come upon each other. No, I, I did not spend much time at the. Uh, I, I like to believe we would, but um, yeah. Paul is a uh, comedian, actor. He he does. Um, he's actually he's been on a podcast. We talked about uh, race relations with Paul one time, um, and he he did improv with Mitch, um, and we'll, we'll obviously get to that. But uh, yeah, thank uh, thank you, Paul. But we uh, we went and saw a movie at the Metrograph Theater. It's a new theater that shows original prints. I think some of them might be. New 35 millimeter prints, but many of them are the originals that were f- that shown in the theaters. And I saw Jaws about four months ago, three or four months ago. It was an actual print that would have been in a theater. You always know because they don't necessarily say it. They say you're going to see a 35 millimeter print, but yeah. you always know because the first five minutes are just scratched to it's the just, hell. It really, and then once it's woven for a while, it's, it's clean. It's clean, yeah. Yeah, but. There's a thrill in that, huh? There's a thrill because yeah. you're like, okay, this is not, this hasn't gone through color correction a thousand oh. times and retelecened yeah. from 80 to 90 to 2000. Yeah. You know, you're not seeing 17 different people's version, um, version of yes. what they thought it could be. Yeah. You're seeing the thing they put out in a theater that freaked people out. Yeah. And I will tell you, seeing it in the theater on a very nice theater, on a very nice screen, but also not a modern multiplex, an old school theater where it's a railroad and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. There's a shot where we don't see the shark, but we are the shark. And the shark swims by the kid, sure. his son. So to yes. about three-fourths of the way, yeah. the kid's freaked out. But all you see is the camera moving past the kid. It is terrifying on a big screen, 30 feet like long. Like you understood the fear. Like when I For the first time I understood. It, like it's... Because, you know, you hear the stories about people watching Jaws. Like, like I, you know, I watch Birds now. And, like, you know, it's I, it's great film waking. I just, I don't have the fear. Yeah. And I think I never got the fear when right. I watched Jaws. And, I mean, I got the, the appeal. But you were able to... I think that, I think that at the younger age, I was able to get the fear of it. That was something that freaked me out. Oh, yeah. And it so also relates to... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it also relates to... Going to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, 
South Carolina as a yeah. kid. So they so had that vacation spot. That was our vacation yeah. spot. And back then they had so they had like this weird, you know, like you go on the boardwalk of any of those sort of seaside sure. family places and yeah. they're all this was like dead of the eighties boardwalk where you go to get the music video made and yeah, your cell phone video. They had yeah, like a tank top with like this crazy spray. Pink thing. tank tops, yeah. like you know, it was popping Oakley's and all that. The yeah. boardwalk was popping. Absolutely. And they had a Sea Live Sharks exhibit. So you go in, they got some barely alive nurse shark floating around in this disgusting sort of cement maze that they've created. Yeah. You you pay like twenty five dollars, you get like five minutes. But they have this like massive, like ten foot tall mural of the poster there. Yeah. I just remember that just blew me away. Totally. I don't know why things when you're a kid have yeah. such an impact on you. Yeah. It was just like visual imagery. Like chemical reaction, we're not going to know. It was yeah. built. It was, you're built to be affected by that. Or it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's odd. Jaws seems larger than life to me. It's yeah. almost like a, a sort of mythical mm-hmm. film. It's a mythical idea of how a film can be. And so... As I've made films, when I was in college, and I would do, I was an illustration major. Okay, yeah. So I couldn't draw very well, but I, I've somehow managed to get a degree yeah. by like whatever experimental thing I was doing at the time. Yeah. But sharks always found them their way as like motifs, sort of like use sharks as an idea, yeah, or uh, just find my way. Like there was a, there's an illustrator, Gary Baseman. And he always says, if he's working on an editorial project and he's, when in doubt, draw a fox, okay. like, or draw a fox in, like, a hospital or something. I don't know. I can't, <laughs> I can't say exactly what it was, but it was, yeah. like... What's his purpose, Put though? a pox, put a fox, like, put a fox somewhere, and people are like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. That fox, makes... Yeah, yeah. I understand. And it's, like, I would always use sharks as my fox. Yeah. It's a... Me- well, you use it as like a, a metaphor. It's nature, right? Inserted into the idea right away. Is that what it is? I mean, yeah, it's um, just sort of get symbolic is basically sure, what sure. what his thing was. Yeah. But <laughs> it's sort of But I think I was always finding ways to to use sharks to and shark, yeah. like if it was uh, if it was if the project was find a way to draw a landscape in a non traditional way. I would draw a beach with a little shark thing coming out. If yeah. it were you know in a, in the style of. 1950s animation or sure. something like that if it was talk about a medical uh, here's a here's an article about a new about cloning or something mm-hmm. I would oh sh- right away. something about sharks, sharks. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> so now as I've gotten older I'm I'm in my 40s now and and I've certainly made short films about every, every, you know things that don't relate to sharks sure. but I still the most recent thing that I've just made that's yeah. sitting there has no one's ever seen before is real shark related. Is it? Yeah, and is it, yeah. So as much as people, I get frustrated when people are like, "Oh, that's what you do. You love that," yeah. and I get defensive. I can't quite yeah. deny that, that they always find their way into my that that that, 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 that it's, it, it seeps through no matter yeah. what. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It, you know, it's definitely something that I'm more aware of and more like don't do that yeah. but when I was in college it was like so a thing I was very pretentiously interested in and very it was like don't 
don't worry about it. It's my thing. Yeah, it's, you know? just, it's just it's just my. It's thing. who I am. In some ways, I am a shark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Wait. Just just circle back a little bit. So. Yeah. Because because what I, I guess what I'm trying to craft here um, together with you is is the consummate Mitch Lucas interview where we're, we're kind of from nuts to bolts uh, coming up. So you were discussing college, but like. Before that, you were in Tennessee, and I feel like we had kind of a similar. Was 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 your youth going to the the movie theater? You know, by, like like when I watched Stranger Things and I saw those four kids on the bike, like like <clears throat> that just that was that was me. I was like I was I was biking. I was I was doing all, you know like I think that's the nostalgia that pulled so much of us in and that yeah so, and that's something you, it, it sounds like you had a you could relate to that as well. That's that big time for me was when we moved from Tennessee to Pennsylvania. We moved to Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. And Mechanicsburg, that's Bucks County, right? Ooh, Cumberland maybe. Is it, Cumberland? It's not far from it's not that far from Philly though, right? I think it might be. Is it? Oh, I think okay. it's All right. I think I'm it's closer to Philly than Pittsburgh than yeah, it is to Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad took me to Philly to go see the Phillies, and it was maybe a two-hour trip. Two-hour trip. So it's just like two maybe hours. Two-hour drive. Yes. Yeah. So you moved what, like, you ten, somewhere around there. Uh, let's see, eighty-three. So I'd have been nine. Nine. Yeah. 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 Eight. Eight. I was eight is that because hard? we hard? moved in eighty-two. Actually, eighty-two. Is that hard? Uh. It wasn't for me. It was yeah. huge for my family and for my mom. Sure. I was too young to, like, think so much about it. Totally. Um, I was interested in the house we were going to have and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. What's up with my room? Yeah. So, that time period was when, like, cool shit started happening. You okay. know? Like, Bristol, Tennessee, definitely, like, the Millennium Falcon, Empire Strikes Back yeah. era, you know... Raiders of the Lost Ark. But then when I moved to to Mechanicsburg, it was sort of like all those things and more. It was it Yeah. It, like I became more I had more access to things that interested so, me. To entertainment. To yeah. And absolutely like I got my first bike. Yep. Um we were I, I the thing that sucked about the bike that I got was I did not have the handle going across my handlebar. The what? guard. Do you oh, know the, yes, the horizontal guard? You'd have like the, the padding around. Yeah. The, yeah. And that was like a very big sort of, you had to have that. You had to have and that. And I, my Kids parents. sit on that. No. Yeah. So I got the Murray bike that had, the handlebars <laughs> were just like, yeah. The, yeah. And <laughs> it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a. Was there shame in that? Is there shame? I, I had a lot of shame. Yeah. In that. yeah. Bike I had shame. a black Murray with a red, white, and blue little red, white, and blue band on it, okay. and everyone was like, "That's not legit. Yeah, That's yeah. not a real, you know." And I'm like, "I can do all the same shit you guys can do." Yeah. But like yeah. somehow. If this didn't look good. Look as cool. Yeah. Like you know how like, like we're not like that now, but yeah. we sort of are in certain ways where we want details in our lives Absolutely. that are like we're like I don't want the shitty version of that thing. Totally. Like you get older and you're like, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Way. Totally. But, but it's sort you're of still does. telling yourself it doesn't matter. Yeah. It, it does matter. Like yeah. when the new Mac comes out. You 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 don't you know you don't need a new Mac, but yeah, you might but think about it. There's 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 like there's a strange keeping up with the Joneses aspect in us that that that, that that's certainly we're all shamed of, but yeah. we're also we're all kind of you know caught up in unbeknownst or yeah. unknown. But that time period was when I started you know riding bikes and and if 
when I saw Stranger Things, I would say those kids were maybe legitimately two years older than me. Yeah. Like, if you want to do the math, yeah. they might have been, like, two... Because it was 83. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe. Maybe not. But, yeah. um, right, right, but that's almost, like, exactly who I was oh, at that time. Same thing. I think that's... Just, yeah. Hate so many people. I, know I, almost got, I almost got kidnapped. Did you? I well, no one believes me, but yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> why does no one believe that you're your kidnap story? Because no, well, because there was only one other person there. Because no one can, no one can uh, confirm your story. So, can I tell you a confession? This is like a big confession. Yes, this is. This Maybe is, they'll op- reopen this investigation. Sure. So, in that time, kidnapping was like massively popular. Totally, the van, candy. the van, the the composite drawing, <laughs> yeah. like like it was almost like people were getting into it. As like a cultural thing, yeah. like I might start getting a kidnapping. Yeah, I, don't I, don't, I don't know what I do with my life. <laughs> right. I'm, like, you know, I'm just thinking about the army, but I'm like, yeah. Like I don't think people kidnapped to the point they did in like 1983. I hope not. I I even took a cl- an improv class where we had to tell a story, and I told this story. Okay. And my the guy who was teaching the class, he was like, "Are you 39?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And he was like, "Yeah, I grew up in that in the era." Culture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what's this depression? So all we heard about for like two weeks was great car, great yeah. car, great car. He's driving around. He's he's angling around looking for people. He's asked a couple kids if they want to go have barbecues yep. or something. And like, there's like the different strokes episode where uh, where uh, uh, Arnold and and his buddy go to the weird guy's house for ice cream. Okay. And all of a sudden they're like watching movies and it's like very uncomfortable. Yeah. And you're like. As a kid, you're like, there's no, there's no laughter, there's no laugh track on this episode. Something bad's going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? This is a lesson one. Yeah, <laughs> and like the guy's like, sort of like not, a, I don't know, it's just uncomfortable looking guy. So, so, in some ways, maybe that episode popularized it to the point where people sure, were like, maybe I'll like try, <laughs> like try that. Yeah. <laughs> but I, but I just remember, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But we were supposed to look out for it. We had an assembly and everything. So me and my buddy, Adam Gregory, Gregory. only human being on the planet I could not find on Facebook. I hope he's still alive. Yeah. But he was like... So you tried to hunt down Adam. Yeah. I hope Adam's listening. I hope he's listening. And he was the, the quintessential... Friend who like will put will like put his fist through a wall. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He has your back. Yeah. Like divorced mom, single mom, brother who is was in the army, but he's not in the army right now and has yeah. a motorcycle and So he was tough too. He, tough but not tough. Like yeah. he's like slightly overweight. Okay. You know what I mean? Like yeah. gets in a lot of fights but probably loses a lot yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. And like everyone in the family is like maybe thirty five pounds overweight, yeah. but in sort of like they're all on their way to being alcoholics. You know sure, what I mean? Sure. Let's not find out, Gregory. I yeah, don't want to no, tell exactly, him. That's what exactly, I thought about exactly, him. Yeah, exactly. But like, I'm just trying to paint this picture of like they're slightly worse off than you, but you sort of like hanging out over totally. there. It's just dangerous enough to yeah. where you're like, this is worth. You are. You're kind of entering another yeah. world. And, yeah. Like every. I, know, t- I, I, I had an Adam Gregory. I know yeah. what you're yeah. Like every time you go over there, the mom's just getting home from her very hard job, and like totally. dishes are strewn about. And she's like, Adam, she's God. Keys. Yeah. Yeah. Adam, can I see you in the fucking other room? Yeah. Jeez, god damn it. And she uses the F bomb. You know? Oh, like, yeah. She does like, not pull back. She knows I'm from a very sheltered family. Yeah. And she's like, I'm sorry, Mitch. You're going to hear those things yeah. if you come over here. <laughs> so I, so he and I go uh, go to this park. And it's sort of like you got to go down a long hill. 
and you're going down this hill and it's very and it starts getting more and more isolated. Then you get to this park and it's sort of like there's a lake there and it's sort of set away, yeah. you know? And there was no one there. And I was like sort of feeling sketchy at the time. I was like, what? It's like no one at this fucking bar. Why no one wants to fish today? Yeah. It's like a Saturday afternoon in the middle of the summer at three o'clock. It was ominous. So ominous. <laughs> what do we see? Tell me what we see. You see the gray car? Gray car <laughs> starts <laughs> strolling into the parking lot. Immediately I panic. I'm like, Adam! Holy fucking shit, it's a great car. You know, what I, you know what I'm feeling bad for right now? It's great. All the great cars in all of Mechanicsburg right, right. now. You know? It's, it's, it's... Yeah, but what the hell was this guy doing no, there? No, 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 no. Totally. He's I the only great car there. I mean, yeah, you do have to... It is just gray sedan. Just like, gray everybody's sedan. got one. Yeah. <laughs> but this car, so we... So I thought, I'm like, get behind this bank. Yeah. So there was, like, sort of an embankment that you could sort of look at the parking lot. We see the great car. The great car comes, just stops... And then it just stays with its with the engine running for a good two or three minutes. I'm in can you, tears. Can you see, you're, you're freaking out. Can you mm-hmm. see him there? I can't see him. What's happening? Yeah. My friend Adam's crying too, but I'll and get so back to him later. We're both crying. We're both crying. Finally, the car bails out or pulls off. We're riding. We're walking our bikes back up. What is so? We're both crying. Once once we sort of come to, what does my friend Adam say? I'm gonna tell everybody that you fucking cried and freaked out about. What's, what what is Adam trying? Yeah. What. He was crying too. He was crying too, but he said that I got him amped up. Oh, okay. And he said, "I'm going to tell everybody that you freaked out." I saved the asshole's life. We could right? be, we could be, you could be in that park, s- still tied up in yeah a basement. They could be looking for our body in that park right, right now. now. Yeah. So you're welcome, Adam, who is surely listening. Uh, we that's made scary, up. Man. We didn't talk scary. for like two months, and then you we did, made man. up. But yeah. Did that, uh, that there's a there's a fear in that that that. It's probably pretty palpable. It was intense. With you. Yeah, yeah. It was intense to be a kid in in that era, and like, I think that's maybe something that is very powerful about that show is the idea of danger in your very yeah. sheltered life. Definitely. And I think that's something people connected with because and there was all, there's also <clears> like there's like I think about you know the you know more the helicopter parents <laughs> today and, and you know I have a daughter and like the things you know like there was a, a what, what was it like the helicopter parents of today like oh, okay. kind of keeping an eye over but like I was like just you know out there until like it was dinner time like just on the bike out in the world you know deep in the woods just yeah. doing create whatever I, I wanted really like there wasn't this feeling of, of, of fear in the world now, now, now people are very scared about things and, and yeah you know, the, you know, keeping a tighter leash on their kids or not. So when something like that does occur, you know, the world seems more idealistic and like it, it, it's yeah. even safer. Yeah. And so you're able to, to get out there until you run into the fucking gray car. Exactly. Yeah. We, we were that way. And that was a big thing that we were, I, I remember that being something that we were about. Uh, we, we wanted to have this thing where we left it like, Nine thirty or ten o'clock on our bikes, yeah. and not come home till it was dark. Totally. Either because our parents were arguing, or because um, we wanted to find an adventure. Yeah. But between like episodes of Leave It to Beaver and Goonies and all these yeah. different things, there was a mentality of like, how 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 long can we stay out? Yeah. Totally. You know, and and think, find things to I do. Think that's what people do get upset these days with um, you know the gaming and the kids on the computer because it's just 
many of us who are of a different generation uh, know the joy of adventure, of being in the world, and, yeah. and what it can offer. Um, we were, we would find, you know, we would go to these suburban sort of wastelands when they're making the McMansions and stuff, and yeah. we would, we would turn them into Vietnam, like, uh, you know, we would turn little makeshift holes into huts, oh, yeah. and we would turn them into like camps for, for Vietnam portrayals and yeah. and. You know, people who who had invested in the homes would come by and be like, "We're gonna call the cops." What are you doing in this destruction zone? We'd be throwing like dirt rocks into these half these like five hundred dollar thousand dollar houses. Probably a hundred thousand at that time, but but to us that was what we would do all fucking day. You know. But then then you get to come home and uh, you know television was picking up. I mean, yeah, you um you know you 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 work in comedy a lot now. Um, one thing I remember at that time was uh, catching glimpses of uh, SNL, and then yeah. starting to is that that had to be something that, that caught your eye at that point. The the SNL that I started becoming aware of was the Martin Short era. Yeah, Christopher Guest, Martin yeah. Short, um, and the first thing I remembered was the sketch that they did of... Do you remember the Synchronized Swimmers sketch? I know, yes, yeah. Martin Short and Harry Shear. Uh-huh. It was Christopher Guest directed it because it's all, it's all within his mockumentary realm. But sure. it, it's these two, the only two men to ever try to do... It was men's synchronized swimming and it wasn't even an Olympic sport, yeah. but it was following their journey to get <laughs> there. And Martin Short that. plays this very sort of like you know like soft spoken afraid of the world guy and Harry Shearer is sort of the 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 spokesman for the two and it makes no sense and it's yeah. so amazing I just yeah I just remember Martin Short was the guy at that time he, he would also do the uh, the defensive businessman yeah where he's like he always it, everything was he has hair slicked back and he's sweating and it was always him trying to um, be defensive about some bad thing that happened with this company. And it was like it would be like a party, party trick company, and they're like, you know, people were like getting having, uh, they were like losing their sight from those snozzes. And he's like, he's like, well, what do you have to say about that? He's like, what are you talking about? Nobody, nobody lost their sight. I'm not being. And he's like, why are you being defensive? I'm not being defensive. You're being defensive. And a whole sketch was just Martin Short's character being very defensive yeah. about everything and just sweating. And I don't know why I thought that was so funny. I mean, of course, I thought it was funny. It was just him doing anything. Yeah. But he's a gem. Did you what? What, what was this fake talk show? Glick. Jim, Jiminy Glick. That I thing is really got into that when yeah. that, when that came out. I like. I just I, I didn't know. I don't know if people were watching it, but like it was like appointment viewing for me. I just, that was a gem that even in Jan Hooks has one of her yeah. funniest uh, bits in there as his wife. Yeah. As an alcoholic wife uh-huh. and. Uh, Jan Hooks played so many characters that were tormented, but like um, wonderful people, and she was such an amazing, uh, uh, you know, like that that whole era was just yeah, amazing. It was um, so I know we we talked one time about but, the Mr. T episode of SNL. So yeah, <laughs> that was the first time I ever stayed up all night. Really? It was yeah, it was um, becoming very close to the time I was moving to Kansas City, okay. and my friend Adam and I. Wait, so. Yeah. Tennessee, 
Pennsylvania, <clears throat> then you ended up moving to Kansas Overland City. Park, Kansas. Kansas. Yeah. 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 And that was my, we're, we're, we're talking days away from leaving. And so me and my friend were trying to like stay up every night to try to get as much time in as we could. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. So it was almost like a marathon of not, of me sleeping over at his house. And that was, but, uh, we made a night of it that Mr. T and, uh, Hulk Hogan were hosting SNL, and that was like the biggest deal of all time to us. It and we ended up staying up all night. It turned out to not be a great episode. It was like fine. There's a couple uh, ones. The Billy Crystal. Yeah. Um, he it's, did. It's like, I was at a Hollywood party. He's, uh, Mr. T's like holding a black bat. Oh, he I got. I could tell you what happened in that episode. Now. He's holding a black bat, and um, he, he goes, uh, "I was at a Hollywood party." Once where, where that was an hors d'oeuvre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it, 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 actually, um, Hulk Hogan like breaks. Yeah. Like, they just talk about, uh, this, that's what I remember. The only thing I remember about that episode was Hulk Hogan and his boobs. Yes, yeah. I know at some it's, point. Uh, uh, Mr. and Mrs. T, uh, Bloody Mary Mix. Is that your belt? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah sort of. Yeah, yeah. I remember the Fernando, who Billy Crystal's Fernando or whatever yeah, is. The, totally. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You look marvelous or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I just remember that being the only thing I remember from that episode. Yeah. Um, so I think the moral of it is the thing that we were most excited about became the less interesting part of that night. Like, we did so many other things oh, that yeah. night. Yeah. Like, we found... So his his mom was an aspiring hairdresser. And she had, like, mannequins and, like, heads. And I remember at, like, 6 in the morning or 7 in the morning, we put the head on him with, like, a jacket over his head and then put the mannequin and then put a hat on it so it looked like just, like, an insane person. This is awesome. Like, you stayed up all... It's like you're on acid. Just like, yeah. Like, it was like, out. what other project can we do? Totally. <laughs> it's totally. like, yeah. If you gave I'm us lo- Coke, it would have done no <laughs> more. Yeah, you are fine. You are there. We were obsessed <laughs> with just stupid shit. Totally. <laughs> and I think I've always had... A group of friends most of my life even now I think about it I've always had like one or two friends that were outsiders who just we were all just obsessed with stupid shit yeah, totally. and we would work harder on that than anything in yeah. our lives I think that's I think that's not only is it lucky to have friends like that but like isn't that the joy like I know I think, you know I don't want to call you a nerd but like you're into nerdy things I'm yeah. I'm a pretty self professed nerd I think the amount of joy I get in life from a new trailer that comes out or like a film that's coming out that I'm excited to see it's I, I feel so lucky yeah that I'm that that, that gets me <coughs> and like the same thing like you're talking about these mannequin heads and like that, that, like that, that was getting you off it's like yeah. lucky because life sucks it's hard there's so much yeah. to go through and if I'm getting excited over this finding a group of people I connect with that can be, get excited about it as well that's brilliant it is, and it's something you take for granted at the time. You think it's, you know, the best you can do, or it's the person who you were linked up with and you had no choice in the matter. But these are the people you remember forever, yeah. are the people who you had no choice but being friends with. Like, yeah, you, did right. no, you did no, you did nothing right to become their friends. Totally. You but just became their friends. You still ended up... Um, <clears throat> if, you, if you became Bill Murray's friend... At some point, you did something right, yeah, and you were very lucky. Yes, but those—that isn't going to be. It's not going to be Bill Murray that you're going to remember. That you're going to remember the guy who you did absolutely nothing to become friends with. Exactly. You know, there's, there's no reason that makes sense. Um, before we move on, we've been spending a lot of time on youth, which is fun. Like this is this. 
you know, usually when I'm interviewing someone, I, I feel like I'm talking less, but like we're just going down in a nostalgia hole. That's I know. Really if special. I'm, if like, I'm it's, going, it's almost self indulgent here, <laughs> yeah. but but it's fun, and I, I think a lot of people can relate to this. But um, July second, nineteen eighty four. Oh man, greatest <laughs> considered the greatest day of my life. Yeah, definitely within so, like, it's, fun. It's not going to get any better. <laughs> you know, here's hoping. Yeah, here's hoping. <laughs> I've tried to replicate it, but it. It's like what in the way. So, okay. July second, yeah. nineteen eighty four. Uh, so my birthday, Adam, me, Adam Gregory. Yep. Double feature movie day. Indiana. That's what you choose to do for your birthday. Yeah. I've got the movies. That's, that's my mom dropped us off at maybe eleven o'clock. Temple of Doom. Indiana then Goonies. The Temple of Doom into into uh, into. Gremlins. Gremlins. I said Goonies. I meant Gremlins. It's either, yeah. Either way, it was going to be the best. That's pretty crazy. If you're like into Gremlins, yeah. I, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, one of the top five experiences of my life. Seeing a movie for the first time. Yeah. And Gremlins, compared to Temple of Doom, yeah. total letdown for me. But but that that duo together yeah. and just having that day where. No matter what happens in your life, you're always going to know that you had a day where you went and saw Temple of Doom, Doom and Goonies. And Gremlins. 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 Either way. Why do I keep saying Goonies? Yeah, Gremlins. it's another fine, offensive film. Yeah, but that um, one, that's a year away. But that is one of those things you remember forever. It doesn't go away. Yeah. And I saw... Temple of Doom is another movie I saw at the Metrograph, and it's in a sort of oh, revival you just recently. Yeah. looks pristine but it, it's uh people consider it you know one of the less exciting raiders i i disagree it's fantastic i think it's it de- i mean it it's <clears throat> i i consider it on par it's mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think it's i think it's fantastic. it's totally different and i remember just seeing it when i was that little um you know there's I, I, it's just it's so vivid the removing of the monkey's head when they were going to yeah. eat the thing uh the tearing of the heart, obviously, just, just, you know, those... The big thing people talked about back then, I remember, was, like, the tearing, they're gonna, he tears out a heart, he tears out a heart, yeah. you know. Um, I remember things about it, remember, the first time was, uh, that Dan Aykroyd is in it, which is weird to me. That Dan Aykroyd has a weird cameo oh, in yes, it. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd is the guy who, who, uh, brokered the plane for them in the beginning. In the beginning? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you said it. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> the... The, uh, I bet you many people, if you're like in a bar, like you would make bets against the fact that Dan Aykroyd. If somebody would be like, "There's no way he's there's in no it." No way you can make money on that. <clears throat> it was definitely at that time against type for him. Yeah. In my in my limited, you know, mind of what people would do in a movie, yeah. so that seemed odd to me. But yeah, that is just an action ride the whole way through. It's yeah. just fucking amazing, that's and that's in short round. You just want to be him. Yeah. You're like I want to. I want yeah, Indy to adopt me. Yeah, and take like me take this. me on cool shit. Yeah. to do cool shit. When they play think, cards, I it's like that's, that's what I wanted to be. Yeah, no, I mean Harrison Ford's characters. I, I want to be Han Solo. I want to be mm-hmm. Indiana Jones. I think it's like one two. It's crazy. It's yeah, crazy. It's so he cool. only yeah. It's like to have two characters that yeah, are the two single cute. Coolest human beings that have ever. That's, that's, he did fictional. That. Fictitious, they don't. They don't walk the uh, earth. Really, yeah, and but teaching in the classroom by day, adventure. Yeah, adventure by night. By and night. you know that I. What? 
So you know I belong to a forum that is completely dedicated to the leather jacket that he wears of in the movie. I, <laughs> I hate that I don't have it. I hate that I didn't bring it over. So I have I have the closest I have one of the closest screen accurate is what yeah. we in the forum call it, meaning all the details are correct. It's not just of the essence of it. Sure. It means they got the pattern is it's almost like traced. There's like, like yeah, with color <clears throat> color patterns change. Same leather to get screen accurate, it means someone has to have gotten a, an original jacket and yeah. traced the seams, traced it exactly. Oh, wow. So I have, I have, a, I have an original. It's called Bill Kelso. Okay. It's a guy in Greece who makes them, and he had, you have to like email the guy and then hope that he really makes it and yeah. like <laughs> sends it to you. And he's like totally not like easy to he's like yeah i'll do it you know it yeah. takes like three months and you, and you, you just figure sitting there for three months for three months you have to like sit and hope he really does it and then he sent it to me and it's fucking beautiful it's yeah. like better than a do you wear it out or you just like where i wear it you yeah. wear it yeah it's yeah. meant to be worn totally um but you're talking about i have the scorpion jacket from drive i don't know why i bought that you know what i'm talking I've about i've never seen drive have you not seen Drive? No. Uh, the Scorpion Jacket. No, nah, but do, I, I would be more I, interested I, in the jacket. Yeah, I'll show you before we leave. Okay. It's fucking... Yeah. I don't know if it's going to wear it. It's got a really high count on it, but it's dope. Um, that, no. Well, it, 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 before we... It's, I could talk about this shit all day. This I know. Day. I'm but taking Gremlins, so long because I love talking about uh, these things. Gremlins really fucked me up. Yeah. That, like, like, I know it's, <laughs> a, uh, it's tough to follow a couple of people at that time, but like, I remember the tension... Of when they like, it, there was like a slow burn to yeah. where they came about, and you know, yeah, Gizmo's so fucking cute. And, yeah, and Gremlins just, is a weird one because it's like sort of in that era, it was sort of like, don't try to be funny if you're gonna try to be scary, and yeah. it sort of is more of a comedy to me, okay, but it is it's sort not, of I freaky. think some would argue the other way out it's because it's kind of dark, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. I don't know. You're As a kid, I, I enjoyed it, but I thought it was a little... It was just like, I had just seen Temple of Doom. Totally. So it just <laughs> killed it for me. <laughs> had I seen it a month later, I would have loved it. But I never got, I never got into Gremlins as much. Yeah. Um, Some people are very into it. Where did you go to college? University of Kansas. Okay. We, so that's, you moved <clears> to Kansas. Mm-hmm. 85. Kansas City, and then you... Uh, I, I was actually just in uh, University of Kansas. Lawrence. Lawrence. It's beautiful, beautiful campus. I walk in. Yeah, nice. spent six six years of my life there. People growing who go up. to college for four years are fucking up. I mean, <laughs> look, I was in no hurry to yeah, figure yeah, out what the hell I wanted to I do. I knew after two years I was spending like at least five years in college. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny to think back now because I I have so little memory of that I went to college. Yeah, because I have so much New York's stock built up yeah that it sort of overloads all yeah, that but I spent six like years you, you were you moved to New York in um 99 99 that's it's only it's like a couple of years you're creeping up two decades yeah. yeah I mean and I feel like I'm still just scratching the surface of right? of, of finding myself here totally, totally. you know um <clears throat> I will not get right to that I, mm-hmm. I, but I don't want to gloss over because this is the consummate interview um, yeah uh, what did you go there to study and 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 did well was it in the arts I mean yeah I <clears throat> I was pretty much set on continuing drawing at that time I wanted to draw yeah as much as I said I wasn't I didn't draw very well there were certain things that I didn't draw well but I was obsessed with drawing in okay. certain ways I was obsessed 
in ways that weren't as helpful. Like I was obsessed with drawing like, you know, a picture of Bruce Lee or so, like a poster of Bruce Lee or something, which all of, all kids that start in college are Were you sort in of, Kung Fu films? Yeah. Yeah. We had Kung Fu theater. How many times have you seen Enter the Dragon? I mean, Enter the Dragon, oh, numerous. It's countless for me. <clears throat> That's sort of the main one for me. Uh, yeah. It had it, a comic book aspect to it. Yeah, there's yeah. just so many strange things in it. I love yeah, it. Totally. Um, but that is, that. that's another one of those Pennsylvania eras, like I, drawing Bruce Lee portraits for a week and a half. Do you, and have, all, do you have those still? They were, many of them were stolen, unfortunately. Oh, wow. When I, yeah, some of the stuff was stolen when I was in college. So but, what was the actual major that you got into? Illustration. Yeah. Uh, but I bounced around a lot until I got into the program. You have to sort of get accepted. Well, you, I've seen you perform a lot now, and, and I think you're a great performer. You're comfortable on stage. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, were you doing that at that point? Were you doing no. any theater arts? Not no, and I, was, and I was sort of a guy that was trying to do it in the wrong er- areas. You know, okay. I was sort of a guy who I think did my extroverted side of me didn't have an avenue didn't have an outlet and I think it was I was very difficult in classes I was very sort of pompous at times oh and uh, a loud mouth sort of like you know what's funny is you play a great know-it-all <laughs> I think were I you was, a fucking know-it-all I think I was but in college <laughs> because I don't think I'd ever when I, when I was in high school I was, I was terrified and when you go yeah. to college there's a weird freedom that you start experiencing you're like my yeah. parents aren't here and all totally. this stuff and it's all and I was I was and very, I know all these things I've I know seen all, all these stuff. movies I, I, yeah you know, you're sort people. of being exposed to art for the first time and as much as I wouldn't want my if I have kids I wouldn't want them to go into art school yeah I would want them to go into business and then just enjoy and just do art because yeah. you don't need a degree for it I was exposed to things that I think separate me from many people. I, I, I sort of, I, I'd never seen some of the photography I'd seen or the art totally. I'd seen or the paintings. And I don't know how well, you do find you say those that, things. That thing about business, uh, because you want them to be financially okay, that you would... I would rather they learned how to make products yeah. out of what they're obsessed with than do it as a service. Yeah. I don't want, I wouldn't want my kids to become... Uh, people who provided their talents as services, I want them to create products. Like, or, like, don't, you know, don't be a, a journeyman that does something that you're good at. You might enjoy it. You might love that. But, but you know, having a certain amount of control sure. over what you do is yeah, very important. Yeah, I mean, there's art. You know, I've struggled with it over the years. Just, you know, <clears throat> having an art and not having any uh, business savvy. It's not a good, good parent. Yeah, I think that's it's the biggest hot, part of hot. it. Learning how to, learning how to like just sell the thing that you like is, yeah. I think, a big deal. Um, because I think if you don't have a business sense, you're interested in graphic design. You become a graphic designer, and, and as I have, I've I've done a lot of graphic design, but you know, only only later in life has I have I started making films and yeah. things that I I genuinely like. Yeah. Uh, college. Uh yeah, Jayhawks. When, when did um? What year is that? I, I just I, I don't want to. I know we talk a lot about a fish called Wanda, and I don't want to miss that. When did you see a fish called Wanda? I'm sorry oh man, we got to backtrack there. a little bit. We do right. I do. Yeah. I missed it. I'm like I was not in. I, not I, in. I, I'm looking at. I just looked at it. I know it's a fish called. You'll Wanda. have to do some editing. So let's go back to uh, <laughs> so high school years. Yeah. Um, 
so another Adam in my life, Adam Cook, another yeah. guy who was like, we're both outsiders, we both have a weird sense of humor. Um, <clears throat> we went to that. We're like we time traveling now, that's my yeah. fault. So that's just, going backwards. Shoot back real quick and then we can come right back forward. Adam Cook and you. Yeah, we go to see Fish Called Wanda. It was rated R. My mom always let me go see rated R yeah. movies for whatever reason. I was not, I was not limited on that either. No. I was like, I was like, not, not, not only was I not limited, I was brought to like, mm-hmm. like, my mom never wanted me to see boobs. That freaked her out. Death. Boobs. Boobs was different. Sex was different. Death. People getting shot. Like commando. Like no. Like, like whatever. Like yeah. Arnold was doing. Whatever <laughs> yeah. he was doing. I was there. My dad. Like anything. Like dirty language. Death. Murder. She didn't care. Boobs. That's problem. Pissed her off. Problem. Yeah. But um, but like yeah, a fish called Wanda. She just was like, it sounds fine. And that was, um, so like we got to see the movie, another similar to Time Bandits, no one's there. No one ever wanted to see Monty Python, anything related to Monty Python in my, in my bio of like going to see their movies. No one was ever there. Um, maybe two other people there, but the opening credits, okay. Yeah. Is he, is the aquarium. Yep. He has like a 30 gallon aquarium or 29 high or something. Is this the beginning? This is the beginning of... Like me being obsessed with aquariums, yeah. and I think Jaws probably put it originally in my head of like fish to aquatics. Oh, wow! But then it sort of has. Sorry to pull this together now. Yeah. Because um, you know, makes you elaborate more. Uh, I I've never spoken to you about your affinity towards aquarium. Are you an aquarist? Is, what I'm is an aquarist. Yes. Aquari- I, I knew I was gonna say it wrong, and I knew you were gonna clean it up. Um, I've just seen it through your through your social media feeds and just right. kind of like, and I've never discussed it with you. Right. I um, so I started doing aquariums around 1987 when that movie came wow. out. My I I loved it. He's he, the, like him, Kevin fucking Klein, by the way. He blew he my is mind. Hilarious. But he hilarious. But like like that's another like that's a film moment uh, that like really sticks with me. I saw it in the theater and like when he's eating the fish. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just like it's like I've never come close to forgetting that. I'm trying to think of the thing. I th- I definitely think that he and Michael Palin were the two yeah. people in that movie that stuck out to me as Absolutely. that I was why I liked the movie. Yeah. It was Kevin Klein and his yeah, sort of are both brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Um his bit about don't call me stupid was funny to me. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Michael Palin's like stuttering and that it never quite worked for him but that aquarium I was obsessed with that aquarium and it was not so the aquarium in the opening titles is not the aquarium in the movie it's sort of like a bigger aquarium so they could shoot yeah you know there's like a thousand fish and then when you cut to the real aquarium there's like four fish in there or something but there's something about the essence of that aquarium and that apartment which I think has always been something in my life I've always had an aquarium and an apartment Totally. So the aesthetic of it, like, yeah, really cool. like where where that guy lived, I think is something I've embraced in my life. What is it about it? Is it is it the cathartic nature of setting it up? Is it something about do you look at? I, it's the I, I, process. I'm such an ignorant place on this, and like I, I yeah. get the beauty in it, and like I just I, well, the larger part about it is uh, this guy Takashi Amano, Japanese aquarist. He's the god. Is he a photographer as well? Like I, I'm, he's sort of a photographer, but he's mainly known for basically creating these aquatic gardens okay. that are beautiful, and sure. he photographed them. But that's yeah, only that's, what you that's, would. That's why I'm yeah. yeah, but he sort of invented he figured out how to make 
plants grow in aquariums by developing carbon dioxide machines and lighting situations that balance with the carbon dioxide. This is him. This it, is... I mean, it was sort of around, but he he was the Michael Jordan of like planted aquariums, yeah. you know. So there might have been a Dr. J, but he was <laughs> the Michael Jordan of it. Um, and his work was sort of... I liken it to taking something that was very sort of mundane and then he makes art out of it you know it's it's based you, you know he has it's zen gardening but it's also abstract expressionism it's also like it's an art yeah it's, it's, it's what you're saying it's you look at the way the plants grow and it's and the way he cuts them and then lets them grow yeah. out it's like free jazz it's oh, sort yeah. of there's like a and you'd beauty have to, to it it's not just uh, you know I'm, I'm, I'm actually I'm an arborist as well and like so like when there's landscape uh design yeah thing. it's not like it's not just the thing you have to foresee what it grows into you have to foresee it and then you have to adapt based yeah. on what happens because it never yeah. happens exactly you know he could you he got to a point where he died about a year ago from okay. cancer but by the time he you know when he was in his prime he got to the point where he could set it up and then have his assistants sort of do the tank and he and it would turn out exactly as he wanted because he knew he knew how they were going to grow but a lot of a lot of it is trial and error but also you're you're responding to what's happening absolutely which is very similar in improv you're you're starting with an idea a line and when it doesn't go that way you think about what else is there control and you have to figure out yeah what to do yeah you know in that meantime yeah so with aquariums, you let the plants grow, and you look at them, and you say, okay, I had a vision for how that was going to grow. Now it's grown this way, so now I'm going to trim them, mm-hmm. and I'm going to trim them to a certain way that's going to push further to my goal, to the image that's in my head. And then another three weeks or months goes by, and you're a little closer, yep. and you're like, if I trim them back, but angle the plants, this and way. just cut them like in this angle, they'll start growing at this growing in a curve and, and it's like bonsai it's like that's yeah. how bonsai is you're totally. doing it over a very slow period of time and also uh it's world building too. yeah i mean you're absolutely creating a world you're creating you you're it's, creating the essence of something that you've seen in your life yeah you know your dreams or just yeah like just, or a vision or you've never seen you want to create you want to see never it seen no one's yeah. ever seen ever yeah you know how like I'm there's to get it. Well yeah. done. I'm like, I'm like, I am so close to walk out the door. Yeah. It's like Go if on. you see if you see a painting, uh, Degas painting, and you're like, oh, man, I wish I was at that. I wish I was at that weird bar yeah. that that woman was smoking that cigarette oh. in. And then you tried to rec- recreate that bar. Yeah. It's similar in, in aquariums. It was like uh, I, the first time I ever saw his photographs. Of the of the aquariums, it was just like a field of clovers, and then one rock, and all the wow. fish hovering over this one rock, and you're like, you think of this tranquil place that doesn't exist, yeah. and it's like that serenity. That's, yeah. That's, that's so if you place. can create that weird little piece of nature in your shitty New York apartment and come oh. home to have this little pieces in, yeah. it's sort of a, it's something that I. I it's very therapeutic to yeah. me to sit on a Saturday for three or four hours and clean all the filter parts totally. and thought, trim the plants. I thought out. that its base was um, catharsis, mm-hmm. but I never. 
and, and, and naively, I, I didn't I didn't think of uh, the art behind it as well. Just, yeah, it's very I, much I really about. Thought it was like, like you said, bonsai. I, I yeah. just pictured this is the bonsai <clears throat> situation. You're in there. You're crafting. You're you're just you escape. It's each cut is like you take your time with. And, yeah, you like you plan when you're yeah. gonna trim the the leaves again, and you plan how you want it to look. Or it's not just throwing the stuff in there and having some fish and having your kids, you know, tap on the glass and yeah. you know there's pink rocks and a skull and yeah. all that kind of stuff there's yeah that those are that shit must that's like that that pisses you off that's like that's you know if tough. i if i had a, a daughter or a son and yeah. they wanted to put a treasure chest yeah, in their aquarium yeah. <laughs> i would have to let them I'm do so it i'm glad my fish died recently because <laughs> i had these like right just sitting right there it was like stereotypical like the thing a fish could swim through that looked like that. the tuttle the tuttle yeah. thing yeah you um, know, I yeah. It's, I'm glad to hear about them. Sorry, excuse me. I'm really glad to hear about this. It's something I, I know that's like a big part of you. And yeah, like, it's, it's something that, uh, you know, nowadays it's become more popular all over the world. Yeah. And there's Instagram and there's sort of aquarium, almost it's aquarium more porn. Popular, or now, can you see that more people were doing it? Were I think Instagram it? has made it. Everyone can now show each other now what they're doing. Show each other what they're doing. Is, that's what I'm that never existed. Yeah, exactly. But like, it, it probably yeah. there was people. That's that's what's cool about technology. And like, I know it rips us apart in many ways. But like, it brings us together in so many ways. There's, there was someone there who thought they were alone, clipping mm-hmm. their thing, and now they're showing someone else. And people. well, it's like you go on Instagram and you see all the different aquariums, and you see. I might look at 40 a night yeah. on an average night and yeah. you start seeing them like, okay, we're all repeating the same design ah. the, in Japan, in, uh, in Mexico, you all have in the Britain, same influences everyone is influenced by Takashi Amano and yeah. everyone is trying to create the same aquarium and the same ideas. And it's, and it's sort of, it's like, I've almost gotten to the point where I don't, I want to take a break for like a year or two until I think about so like you can let yourself. Yeah, yeah. That that your other influences maybe come be influenced it. by something else, but everyone is everyone is into these massive mountain ranges, like Rocky Mountain ranges with yeah. like shrubbery and stuff. And I'm like, that's not his. That was not his goal. His yeah. goal was to do something different almost yeah, every time. I'm turning in his grave thinking about. Yeah, he's so pissed off. People no. just like just doing him. Yeah, don't do me. Be fired. But I think that's what. You know, what inspired me about him was that he, like a filmmaker or like a painter, the best artists make huge, massive brushstrokes, bold, and they're not afraid, and they're not doing these little sketches. Every aquarium he did, you can look on, you can look online for Takashi Amano. Everything you see on YouTube is like, boof, like, I'm just going to make a massive brushstroke, you know, yeah. one fucking rock. In, in in simplicity or complexity, but you know what you see on Instagram is is all complexity. It's all people trying to do the most complex and the most detailed. It looks it's like Thomas Kincaid, yeah, as opposed to Cy Twombly. Does that make sense? It does. It, it <laughs> you does. Know, it's, it's like not, I, I we've lost it. our way. Yeah. And we're we're trying to create little pathways with trees and and replicate realistic things and he was thinking abstractly he was thinking like you know um he was thinking like an abstract expression yeah. from, from the 50s he was an absolute true artist um yeah. 
When you were in college when you saw Pulp Fiction, right? Did you see Reservoir yeah. Dogs first? Nope. Didn't see Reservoir Dogs until a few years later. So Pulp Fiction was was it. Yeah. That was... Did you see... I bring this up because um, Mitch is by far uh, the big, biggest fan is just the simplest way to say it of Quentin Tarantino that I know and yeah. I mean, he's, it's, it's shared passion he's, he's a god to me um, how did that start? What, what? it started with Liberty Hall yeah. in, uh, which is a that's you're in college now that was so my college movie Liberty theater Hall. yeah now we're moving ahead um, so I'm a I'm a I think a junior in college sophomore in college probably yeah. something like no I think a junior and uh Liberty Hall is a is a sort of indie theater in my college college uh, town of Lawrence, Kansas, and they have the upstairs theater, which is like the art house theater. That's yep. the one where it's almost just a big screen move. It's like almost like going to a rich person's screening room. It's about as big as a rich person's yeah. screening room, <laughs> and it was like better than seeing it in their mat in their big theater yeah. it was like yeah because it was intimate it's yeah. tighter it's just yeah. it's the screen in you basically yeah. and the way they set the, the screen back was you could sit on the front row and if you're sitting on the front row you're still a good 15 feet away from the screen and the screen is on the ground floor so it doesn't raise up yep. so you're just watching the movie and no one else is around you know and I saw Pulp Fiction that was the first film I ever saw in that room I think yeah and I sat in the front row. Let me ask, do you, like, just because of my experience, did you know about the buzz? And, like, you were like, how did you do it? Cause there was buzz. When I tell by uh, my experience, yeah. real quick, is uh, I went to, I was um, just a couple years younger than you, and I went to, I was, so I was in high school. My older brother just graduated college, so he's at home. You know, he just moved home after college, and so we'd go get stoned and go to the movies a lot together. So we went to see it. That's what I was doing. I'm like, oh, there. Uh, uh, it was a Stallone movie. I think it was Cliffhanger. I'm not exactly mm-hmm. sure. So we are about to walk in. I don't know what the fuck Pulp Fiction is. I, like, I, I, I just wasn't paying enough attention at the time. I, I did, like, unique films and everything. But, like, I just see these people. These, like, just a bunch of people, like, just looking excited. Like, yeah. just a big grouping of people. And, like, me and my brother look at each other and we're like... What's going on? What are they going to see? What are they going on? So the, we, we just like, we're doing that. Yeah. And so like nothing. Like going, like, I, like I, I don't think I've ever gone in this blank to a movie. Like we have to do what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. just sat down and Pulp Fiction happened to me. Yeah. And I'm like mind blown, walked out like best decision. You yeah. Know, like, it really, uh, it really was mind-blowing yeah. and it's a different kind of mind-blowing than the first time you ever see a movie or the first time you ever see Empire Strikes Back it's just a different thing yeah. if it's even possible to get a bigger film reaction he did it and my memory of it was that's, a, that's an intense thing you just said yeah because like, I mean and I absolutely agree I think he almost resonated a stronger reaction the first time you see it than I than with seeing Star Wars. I, I, that's, that's what I was saying. It was such a big, like, yeah. I know what you're saying, and I agree. Like, that's insane. Like, it was that affecting. It was like, I've never seen anything like this. I've never seen characters like this. It's never felt that. No. The first 
glimpse of the first sniff I got of what he was about was me and my buddy. So I I had seen movies in that room before. Yeah. We saw True Romance in that room. Another. And is that, is that written by Quentin? Written by Quentin. He wanted to direct that. He had to sell it to get Reservoir Dogs made. Yes, that's right. He couldn't get he couldn't get the directing job, so he said, "Fine, give me." So he took thirty thousand dollars, and that was his seed money for Reservoir Dogs, and he was going to shoot it as a but video sort of '90s thing, but. Uh, but I didn't know about Tarantino, so I saw True Romance, and I remember t- True Romance freaked me out. Yeah. The scene with, uh, obviously, Dennis Hopper. We all know that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, can I have one of those Chesterfields? Yeah. When he says that, like, the whole thing with the lie and the, you know, I don't know where to get into, like, the, the gist of the story. But there's this, yeah. But this point, there's this point where Christopher Walken is basically saying, look, you fucked with me. You've tried to beat around the bush. I'm gonna, you know, we're we're gonna like slice your hand every time, and then he realizes he has nowhere else to turn, and he just goes, "May I have one of those yeah. fields, please?" And then that's great. But then when he goes, "Do you have a like?" Or no, I got one. Yeah. Like, yeah. who thinks that the character might need to talk about whether or not they have a light? Yeah. Well, because everyone, when they smoke a cigarette, that's 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 it. That's, that's you. Do you do you have a light or do you yeah. not? Yeah. He was smart enough to know that him asking for a light in just that uncomfortableness of getting one built the tension totally. to me. But Absolutely. Yes. You know, yes. So yeah. you're just dying. Yeah. So I've never seen so this is like a year before Pulp Fiction and that scene was Pulp Fiction esque. Yeah. You know. It was absolutely Pulp Fiction esque, yes. And but when I saw Pulp Fiction, Pulp Fiction was that scene, then that scene, then that scene, and that you scene, didn't that get scene, a breath, that scene, that, not, not a breath at all. In True Romance, you got that scene and, and maybe one other yeah, thing. I, mean, I was I love it so much because I love Alabama and my parents just love it. It's stuff. wonderful. It's like, a wonderful I, movie. I mean, then yeah. outside, like, but it's Tony night. Scott, and it's not. It's and it's in it's and Tony Scott's great, but it's Tony Scott smoky rooms for three for yeah. two and a half hours, but. I saw it in an, on an after, in an afternoon, so I, probably at like four thirty. Yep. You're you're in college, you have no classes. I saw it at like four thirty, five o'clock by myself again, maybe one or two other people, and I just remember seeing it by myself. Uh, my buddy was like, you "Better not fucking go see it with you know." We saw the trailer. <laughs> so there was you, you, uh, we on. saw the trailer during Natural Born Killers. Okay, yeah. So Natural Born Killers had the trailer, and when you see the trailer, it was the first time I ever saw a trailer where there's like every famous person that has ever yeah. been in a movie is in this movie, <laughs> yeah. and the the music, the da 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 da, and you're like, you were like a film buff, right? Travolta was like right here, uh, sort of, yeah. yeah, I was getting there, getting you know, there. but I think this was one of them. Okay, like I think at this time I still just liked Jaws and weird yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Spielberg. <laughs> yeah, Spielberg, Jaws, and then sort of like. There was a movie called Flirting that came out that was like an Australian, sort of like a pre-Wes Anderson as a pre-Rushmore. Okay. And, and Wes Anderson will actually, in interviews, he actually was trying to make, a, it was sort of like Flirting was his, sort of his Rushmore, or Rushmore was his Flirting <laughs> was, in a way. It was Rushmore. He tried to he tried to cast the guy from Flirting, but uh, the guy had aged too much. Yeah, um, I started laughing because like... I always like to refer to something as your Rushmore. Yeah, she's my Rushmore. My Rushmore yeah. So that was his flirting. Yeah. But um but like not much stuff. Yeah. But um but the, so that opening scene. This was this was something that led you down this path. It, like, 
you know, next yeah. thing you know, you're, you're, you're catching Fellini flights. And, yeah. yeah. And, then, and we'll move forward. But I, I do want to yeah, tell yeah, you, please. the first time I saw yeah, it, we're, we're not in, incredible, just... yeah, incredible, losing it. Then I go see it with my buddy, who's the biggest cynic in the world, right? Yeah. He's that guy who goes to see the Beastie Boys. Everybody's freaking out, and he's going like this. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that guy. Not really a troll, but not really, you know. Yeah, just his life trolling. Just yeah. Like, just like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I remember him seeing it, and I'm like, you got to go. And he's like, all right, fine. And it gets to the point where they're, where Jules and Vincent are in the car, and he looks at me and goes, this is fucking incredible. This was... Well, isn't that the joy of the life troll? Yeah. Like when you see them get off, yeah. you're like, yes, they did it. When you something has it. beaten the troll. When something's beaten the life troll. It's yeah. Like, yeah. He looks... He literally... And I know him. He's still my best friend. Yep. One of my best friends to this day. It's the only time I've ever seen him flabbergasted. He looked at me and he goes, this is fucking incredible. No, it, like that's a life by experience. No, it's just a, it's a couple of... Um, yeah. It's... That's why it blew my mind so much. Like, and I wanted to tell that story of never not knowing a thing. Like, I just remember me and my older brother. Like, it was like every ten minutes, we're like, "The fuck, the like, what the fuck mm-hmm. did we just stumble mm-hmm. into?" And like, like we walked out, we're like, hit, we just like hit each other, you like, like, like you. bros, like, like, yeah. like, like fat dudes, like, you're just like, what, what, what did we just get to experience? Yeah. And, like, we felt like we were on the cusp because it's the opening night and we snuck in and we're like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh. it makes me sad that people, I do comedy with people who have either never seen it or have seen it and they're like, it was weird and you're like, Ugh. I feel bad that you haven't, that you didn't get a chance yeah, to see yeah, yeah. that, you know? It's, it's one of those things, it's, I mean, not, you don't want to be, um, you know, looking down yeah. on that, but it's also like, I, there's, there's an empathy for you not being able to understand yeah. the greatness of that. The only other thing I'll say about it, because I know you want to, like, start I moving just, around. Let's, let's rename this. The third, thing. yeah, the third time oh, I yeah. saw it was with, a, was with a group, and then this girl that I was sort third of... Third time in the theater. <clears throat> third time in the same theater. Okay. Within a week. Um, <laughs> yes. Like five or six yes. of us, but this girl that I was sort of flirting with or whatever, when we get to the point where the, the overdose and the shot... Yeah. She holds my hand in that way. She holds it so tight that you know that you're about to hook up. Like, you know we're going to yeah. have sex. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Totally. Where you're like... Where she's saying... If I if I survive this scene, so we're having you're, you're, you're like hitting the it, like the, the crest of a roller coaster together, and like yeah. she, she needs to hold on to you, and by yeah. her holding on to you, you know that there's a connection. that yeah. the night's gonna be like. But she was panicked off of her. Yes. She was like, yes. "We're gonna die. Like we're, we're gonna, gonna die, die of a drug overdose." Die. Yeah, and I don't I don't think people understand what he what he accomplished. Yeah. I don't think people really quite understand what it was like to to have that happen for the first time in their lives yeah to be in a theater going ah, i can't fucking deal with this yeah. you know yeah. but you were yeah. when, when and it was time and again it was bruce willis in the basement yeah. it was it, was just it happens like five times yeah. in the movie where you're like i can't i can't stand another second of this um you made a note and this is this or we've been asked before it says boy's life when you were talking about college, what is this boys like? You know, this was like the era of like indie music, and that okay. was the in, that was that's that was the scene we were we were all the local bands, but those local bands were sort of resonating what we were all into yeah. in that city, you know. Okay. And Boys Life, we know it as like a the Cub Scout magazine, you okay. know. But at that time, 
the bands were like tapping into their youth, I think. And like all of the bands were like, it was emo, but it was harder. It was somewhere between Helmet and like the emo that became, that came out of 93, 94, 95, but it was very... Like it was pavement? like 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 no no way like darker like emo I thought yeah I was thinking maybe, yeah um, like it was very um, you know we would go to the we would go to the replay lounge and that yeah. was where like all the it was sort of like that era where we would dress everyone was dressing like nineteen fifties yeah but they were playing like hard rock music and like it was sort of like post grunge and post nirvana and it was a weird era it was like i almost feel like it was its own subculture that that existed in that town yeah and i think the reason i noted it was yeah, because i don't think i'm connecting and like i think that's i that's, think what i loved about it was it was a subculture it was a weird yeah, yeah. thing that i remember going to see the bands were like vitreous humor you could probably find some of their music on spotify yeah. i think boys life's on spotify yeah. so butter glory uh, vitreous humor and uh, boys life were these bands that were out in that time and they yeah. would play maybe once a month they would they were obsessed with their art but they were very like they weren't playing every night around the town they would yeah. play once a month and 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 they were like their songs would be 10 minutes they were like orchestral compositions of rock songs, you know? Yeah. And they were always dark. Or something, like, yeah. Yeah, like, they were always dark, and they always, the band names were always, like, something that would make you connect with your youth. Like, the band names would be, like, Karate. Yeah. Or, like, Boy's Life. And you're like, oh, I like these guys. Yeah, yeah, I get it. But it was emotional, and it was, it was sort of, I, I guess subculture is the best word, and the only reason I brought it up was because it was... A time in my life where I, I felt like Lawrence was the world. Yes. Like, I didn't think there was a world outside of that city. Yeah. And we would just go to the replay and we I would just, listen to You thought them. you guys, and I just, I, I, I think the same thing in my time, you thought you were on to something that no one else was on to. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think anyone ever wanted to leave, you yeah. know? I don't think anyone, at that time period in my life, I don't think I, anyone ever planned to, like, go anywhere else, yeah. you know? It was only until... <clears throat> I saw some photographs uh, that inspired me that I thought about moving to New York. Yeah, I mean that's that's exactly where I want to go next. Yeah. What um, what got you here? Was it right from Lawrence? Wait, you, it saw, was, you saw you saw pictures that made you want to move here. Yeah, by who? I, uh, Leon Levenstein. Okay. Who is the namesake of a movie, a short film that I made? The title character I named after this Doesn't guy. He have pictures where. A lot of them are like taken, like you see the back of someone and then yes. you see the cityscape around them. Yes. Well, he has some photos like that, uh, but okay. a big part I've of what... Like, like there's one that I think of like an afro mm-hmm. and like there's yeah. one of the gentleman with a hat like you. <clears throat> yeah. He captured, I think, the 60s and 70s of New York very yeah. um, aggressively. He had a motto that act like you're a tourist and you can get as close to mayhem as possible. Wow. Now, that probably doesn't resonate today because people might want to fuck with tourists. But back then, in the 60s, he could could walk around with a camera pointing at things and get up to, like, a drug dealer, like, beating up someone. Yeah, it was, like, an ignorance thing that they're like, oh, he can't harm anyone, so he can be here. He also used a medium format camera where you hold uh, hold down at your waist. Yeah. 
and you see you can monitor it from above and so he could hold it down without pointing it and get pretty oh. fucking close without being completely yeah. obvious to media yeah media format's sort of like twice as big as 35 millimeter yeah. so he could get pretty close and because the 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 format was so large he could crop it in the dark room yeah so a lot of his stuff was closer than really what he where he got so and he, would he was bring, he would bring it in yeah yeah um which a lot of a lot of photographers didn't do at the time but He's so influential to me because he never really, he was never really super well known and he did it for himself. Like a lot of photographers at that time, you know, we, you know, I don't know if you know the story of Vivian Mayer, who like they discovered her work after she died in a box and in like 2005 or something like that. And there's a, Finding Vivian Mayer is a very interesting documentary. It's about a, a female photographer who had never shown a photograph in her entire life. I don't even know if she ever developed a photograph. So that's insane. Her work yeah. was only discovered through negatives. What's her last name? Oh, Mayer, M A I E R, I think. Yeah. And uh, she's now in like galleries all Doc, over the world. Finding Vivian Mayer. Finding Vivian yeah. Mayer, yeah. Um, and uh, of course, the people who found it are just trying to like make money off of her. But sure. but um, a lot of photographers at that time weren't seeking out fame. They were seeking out their own. They wanted to live their lives and yeah. make make stuff that interested them, yeah. or find or a way to stuff that interested them. Yeah, yeah, they wanted to to capture something, and it was more important to capture it than to show it to people. Yeah, I don't know. That's was just that's how noble is that? It's almost like they. I don't know if we live. It was noble. It was probably also obsession. Yeah. Um, Gary Winogrand, who is another it's world like famous of, photographer, yeah. when he died, there was about a hundred thousand undeveloped rolls of film in his repertoire so they did a whole exhibit at the Met uh, in 2014 on stuff that he just didn't develop it's all (laughs) a whole show a whole show of stuff he never got around to like looking at so he never saw them yeah yeah he he never even yeah he he, never developed them yeah well he saw them he He saw them in life but he never saw the photographs yeah that is is an art where you uh you take more than you use. Yeah, I apologize. I apologize about these tangents, but they're that's what this podcast this is, is about. All, tangents. Yeah, absolutely. This is all the stuff that interests me. But yeah, this is, I mean, this is well. Going back to Leon Levenstein. So that gave you a taste in New York that you wanted to bite into. There was a single photograph called Handball that he take that he took. It were, no, it, was, it wasn't called Handball. It was two guys playing Handball, and it was called Houston Street, and it's the Houston Street that we know. Yeah. But it was like probably on the west side or something, and it was a handball court. And it was a guy in the foreground, very close to the frame, uh-huh. hitting a hand, hitting the ball, and then a guy all the way at the end about to respond to it. Yeah. And they're wearing black pants and white tank tops, and it's just this very dark, very sort of urban, quiet. I just remember thinking I can hear the sound of the ball. Yeah. And I think my grandmother's house in Tennessee was that very... Echo. That sounds awesome, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Like, you can just hear it. And it reminded me of my grandmother's house in this sort of dark... I, I never liked going to my grandmother's house in Tennessee. That's such a unique uh, comparison, that, 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 that sound. Oh, because you would... You I remember... Like I just... Stuff. Well... I just remember the sound of potholes oh, going okay. to my grandmother's house. Yeah, so it is and it made me think of something okay. urban... Yeah, dun 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 dun. 
They're done. Yeah. Because they had all these potholes in the street. And when I saw a photograph, it connected me to something. And that was like sort of a negative memory. But I wanted to explore it somehow. Yeah. So that photograph, and this isn't like me thinking of this later and be like, this would be a great story. This was yeah. clear. <laughs> Why did I come to New York? Let me think. I didn't it. write this as a biography. <laughs> yeah. This was it. That yeah. was it. I just remember yeah. seeing that photograph, studying that guy, and just being obsessed with sort of finding what that was about. Amazing. Now, you get into life and you're in New York, and that isn't. Yeah, it's not it's like not, I wake up on a Wednesday at 8 o'clock yeah. and be like, remember the handball photo? Like, you get lost in your life. Yeah. But I remember that was the. An original I, thing. I love that it's that sound, though. That uh, you know, we're both talking about film a lot, and, and our love of film. Um, I, I, it's it's something that like, especially when I go to like a slower, I, it's something I get like when I get like sunshine a lot when I go see an independent film, yeah. or just like you know, it's slower. The sounds mean more. <clears throat> it's you know, not like a big summer movie. One thing I love so much about seeing a movie like that. I feel for like five or six minutes when I walk out of a film, I can hear better. Mm-hmm. I think I'm just like so like I'll, I'll walk out and I'll walk to the bathroom and I'll I'll, I'll turn the knob to the door. I can fucking hear the <laughs> knob turning. So like I I'm, I'm like about to take a piss. I I zip down my fly. I like I hear my fly zip down. Like I'm just like tuned in. Like this sound. It's like it's this. What high. part of the experience do you think sort of? amplifies that for you it's uh, it's just it it shows the magic in in in, in what filmmakers do with sound and mm-hmm. just and just it, it, like the spaces in between that that in, like I'm like I'm saying it's 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 independent film speaking of the spaces in between make every noise you, you know you talk, you watch some of these slower movies and like you'll get the opportunity to just like follow someone you know grab their keys and you hear the keys yeah and then they stand up and they walk towards you you do hear that knob then you hear that click as they're walking down the stairs yeah and like it just and then that just amplifies me so that when I walk into the real world for a few minutes I I have that it's crazy it's 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 you're powerful. you're telling me all this. You're telling me you haven't been to the Metrograph yet. No, and you know oh what? God, someone sent me an email recently about it, as you were saying it. And I'm, I'm, I think um, Polly and I going to see this Cassavetes movie. Yeah. It was interesting because neither of us knew what What'd movie you see? we were. Did you see Husbands. Oh, no, God, I can't, I can't remember yeah, the name no of the worries. fucking movie we saw. Yeah, but uh, Seymour Cassell and we were like, it's Cassavetes. Let's go just for you oh. and I to hang out. You yeah. know. Is Cassavetes the the, the, the true um, godfather of Mumblecore? I think he is. I think he is too. I, I read an article about Mumblecore recently. <laughs> I think he goes back. He was the first one who let conversations run the show. I know very little about Mumblecore. Yeah. I know a girl who was in a very famous Mumblecore movie, Mary yeah. Barn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but I don't know. The only thing I know about why it probably started was the idea that when everything was moving to digital and everything was moving to like sort of like not very good digital, yeah. they were like, we could just buy all this 16 millimeter film totally. and just, just do it ourselves. Since no, one lo- since no one cares about these like New York Film Academy Aeroflexes that are sitting <laughs> around, we could sort of just shoot on these reversal stocks and do the same thing and talk about our lives. And I think that's what I loved about 
that era is I think it was just like a lot of because I I did the New York Film Academy in like yeah. 1999 and you know the images the films were horrible but the images that we came with these fucking airflexes that they have sitting around are just stunning amazing yeah and yeah. they had like a massive theater down there on Union Square yeah I know you remember when the big sign yeah was out there yeah they have a massive theater and it was like we would make shit on like a a. A Monday morning and on Wednesday we're watching the 16 millimeter film that we made that had no story and nothing yeah. of value, yeah. but like it looks so but beautiful. The image is so great, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I think the thing about power, like power of the city too, but like yeah. it's just, it's, and I think what resonates with Casavetes and those guys is like that those images of New York are timeless, and yeah. there's something timeless about Mumblecore and timeless about totally. him, but. Polly and I were watching this movie and we were like, we have no idea what this is and we've and we know this movie's been out for forty years, but we're fucking glued. Good. And that's what's so great about what they're doing is they're bringing films that you'd never if this was on Blu-ray and you're like, sit here and watch it, you'd be, be like, I gotta do the dishes. Totally. We're in an argument. You know, or I, mean, I gotta is, call isn't someone. That the joy or, of the theater? I mean, like, I mean what you're saying is the theater going to the theater on steroids, of course. Yeah. But like when you go into the theater, it's full immersion. It, 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 it's 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 diving into the pool where like I could be here and I could be watching a movie and like you said, like it's it's. I, there's times I see a movie and I'm like that was good. I, I but I think something that, very basic here. Of course, the belts are better. But see. I think that but these like, theaters that are showing things like I don't think I get it as much where at you know. Kaufman Astoria or Times Square I think I'm very aware of everything going on around me yeah. when I'm seeing these movies that are the movie of the week and they're gone next week yeah. when I go to see a movie at Metrograph and I know it's been out I know it's 30 years old and I know they found this this is the print you watched in yeah. the theater I feel like it's more I feel like I'm doing something more important and I feel like I have to give myself totally. more I have to give more yeah, of myself to it this is not just about full immersion this is about this is this is the highest form of, of of this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah. This is how this is how like it's it's imagined. hard. It's not always we don't always get how the artists imagined. Like yeah. How. Wes Anderson was talking about that theater in an article recently, and he his point of it was so right on the money. Yeah. Was he said, well, what's great about seeing movies from other eras and seeing the original prints is that you get to see what was going on with them at that time uh-huh. and you get to see what they were about and that totally resonates with the, this particular cast of Eddie's film yeah. oh god we gotta look it up we gotta see yeah. what the fucking movie it was yeah, but yeah, we'll, we'll write it in the piece uh, yeah. Wes Anderson Rushmore might have done something to you uh, Wes Anderson Rushmore first movie one of the first movies I saw in New York yeah it was it came out right when I moved to New York for the first time 99 I think it maybe technically came out in age ninety eight. Did you see Bottle Rocket, before, Bottle Rocket beforehand? Yeah, yeah. And Bottle Rocket was my shit. Yeah, like I, it's it's got my it's maybe my favorite line in film history. Give it to me. Is uh uh Luke Wilson? Is that he's uh one morning over at Elizabeth Beach House? She asked me if I'd rather go water skiing or lay out, <laughs> and I realized not only did I not want to answer that question. 
But I never wanted to answer another water sports question again or see any of these people again for the rest of my life. And What's I, so funny is it makes, I feel like I know you better because I feel like I could totally see you in that world. Yeah. That's, I think I, I liked it because like, I don't have any of those types of friends, you know? <laughs> no, he's, well, that's what he was, yeah. He, like, he just like, got disgusted with his world for a moment. Yeah. Like, he's like, why am I answering a water sports question? But I love that they keep, the throwaway part of that is for seeing these people again. Like, not only do I not want to answer that question. So his, so his answer is that he has to go to a middle institution. That, no, that, instead that's of that, that, that was the breaking point that he went crazy was yeah. that answering that question. was yeah. like a water sports question. He's like, I have to go to a mental institution. And that film really, I, I just, I loved it. I, 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 it was like that and like Pie and Buffalo 66. These are the movies that stared uh, me down, totally. down that road and, and, and Rushmore, of course, to follow. But Bottle Rocket was another one. It was sort of a quasi Pulp Fiction moment for me yeah, where same. it's like a lot of it is the trailer for Bottle Rocket to me. I don't know what version of the trailer is online, yeah. but there's something about the line where he goes... He's robbing the guy, and he's like, "Give me a bag, a big one, you idiot!" And the guy yeah. goes, "Don't call me an don't idiot." Call me an idiot. He's robbing. He's like, he's, got a gun he's like, "Yeah, I'm sorry. Do you have a bigger <laughs> bag?" That idea of like being the same respectful. Thing, going to the door, oh, man. I'm going He's got the. He's robbing. Why do you have that tape on your nose? And then he doesn't want to respond to her because he doesn't really know the answer himself. He doesn't know why he did it. Yeah. Both of those, those two specific things, where I'd never seen that joke before. I'd never, I'd never seen what someone say. Well, you can rob people, but you still have to be respectful you still to have adults. To have and then that idea of like having an idea, and you're like so excited about it, but you don't want to explain it to your buddies. You're like, just shut up. I want to do this. You know, that is what growing up is about. Is you yeah. get you you're, you respond to something that from you growing up. How many times did you play war with your buddies and you had to have a patch on? And you're like, why do you why do you have to have that why? patch? I don't know. I don't know. Because that, this that is patch the patch feels good. Right? The patch feels good right there. Which, ultimately, I believe it's that he was riffing off of Chinatown. Ah. Which, when Jack Nicholson... The, yes, yeah. When Jack yeah. Nicholson has the thing on his nose. Yeah. But, <laughs> I've never I've never clarified that. Chinatown's going to mean something to you. Not much. Really? No. It's fries. I watched it for, like... I watched it for real yeah. for the first time about a week and a half ago. Oh, <laughs> stop. And I enjoyed Stopped. it, but we got done. Uh, oh, yeah. We don't want to waste no, our no, time in Chinatown. So what I want to do is, um, and and this is great. It's like honestly, I like this is by far already the longest podcast we've ever had. And yeah, I, I, I I'm could, sorry that I'm going on. I, on, I, I, could, on. Care, I could I could care less because yeah. like if anyone, it's just like a nostalgia trip, and like if anyone wants to go down this with us, yeah. they're already in or they're yeah. out. Yeah, and so. But like, but I do. It, it's oh, sorry, I'm not gonna stay all night. I'm just gonna like give myself a little sipping. Here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm not uh, here for the, like. Till but June. I really, as much as I want to talk about whatever there will be blood and all these other films, but like, yeah, yeah. You, um, that's good in comedy because like, you got you came to New York in '99. Uh, it looks like you wrote, you left New York for a minute to write a screenplay in 2002. Yeah, I'll what tell you. There? Yeah, so yeah, it's been a year or it's been about two and a half, three years in New York, um, just as a graphic designer, just trying to figure my figure myself out, aspiring to do other things, not not taking the chances, and gave up and moved back to. Was that what it was? I was going to ask you because, like, from 
what I saw uh, in your email to me was like you left to write a screenplay, but I was wondering if like I think I worded that maybe in my head, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but no, the screenplay no, the screenplay you, you was there. Up. The screenplay was there. It was in my head, and it was all about Tennessee. But I was giving up on New York. I gave yeah. up on it, and I, I think I was always afraid of New York. Yeah. The whole three years I was here, I was like, this isn't forever. I can't get lost in here, you know? Totally. And at that time... You, I think you would get... You, some, sometimes people give it more power. That, that, like, not that it's, most, it's the most powerful thing in the world, but like, like there was this fear, like, you, you, you're not good enough to be here. Yeah. Was that... I think so. Okay. And I think New York was... I, I don't mean to be one of those old people that are like, you We had it, You have it easy. But New York was like scary back yeah. then. You know, the, the oh, further I back you go, started, the I scarier it, it is. I, like, I, I feel like the biggest dick in the world when I talk about it. Like, I've been in Williamsburg when like, I was on like Ken Avenue. Like, I got chased. Like, I would walk my dog across fucking needles in college. Yeah. For real, because my block was fucking like, <laughs> now, now this is beautiful beautiful building yeah. where it was like but like, like you don't get you don't get mugged anymore really in Brooklyn yeah. I don't think I mean I'm sure you do but like like it used to be but like you gotta be in East New York yeah uh, I don't know but uh, that being is said I guess it is yeah I don't know go on, go on. <laughs> that being said it wasn't so much about crime it was mental it was like I'm never gonna yeah I'm never gonna do anything and my dad was constantly my dad has passed on at that time, it was like, you're never going to meet anyone to fall in love with. You're never going to have a house. You're never going to do anything as long as you stay in that place. Yeah. Because you can't... New York did not make sense to your father. No. Yeah. His thing was, go out there for a year or so, get some resume stuff, then come home, go work at Hallmark. Yeah. Kill you know. it. Kill it. You'll yeah. Have, go back. New York kid yeah. from Hallmark. And- so when I went back to Kansas City, it was a lot about that. It was like giving up, and it was like I, I had an interview at Hallmark, and that would have been my life. And yeah. I sort of blew the interview. I know <laughs> I blew it. You gotta put your feet up. <laughs> uh, yeah. Literally, like, like my buddy was like, I got you this interview at Hallmark. And he's like, all you got to do is show up. You, uh, what's it, um, what's, how about that Maples? You said Ben Affleck it. Literally, <laughs> I showed up, but I was, said, I was that much said, of an asshole yeah, in the interview. Yeah. And like, Hallmark was connected with, University of Kansas and it was connected with my department so it was like a job recruitment it basically if you did well in your classes you could get a job at Hallmark and just die there yeah and have a house yeah you're good apparently to some people you're good yeah you, go through, you work at Hallmark you retire and you die you and that's how you that's get a life. house like yeah. it, see it's that's like how that's how you get a house you get and you have it forever it. you get the fence with it yeah and I sort of oh, sabotaged yeah. that yeah. and my dad was like this is it this is the best you can do. You're not an accountant like me. You'll never make money. And I sort of fucked it up because I just still was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't yeah. like any of this. And once I fucked that up, I had no money. And I was out in Kansas City. Then my parents moved back to Tennessee because my dad retired. And I'm sort of in limbo living with my parents as a 29-year-old 20, uh, 20, 20. yeah. guy. 28, 29, yeah. and not knowing what I wanted to do and have this idea for a story but no money no yeah. goals or anything and then my what brought you back that I that you burned to get back yeah, yeah. once you it, give it, it up it, 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 you knew you knew it was that I told myself I was going to move to Charlotte North Carolina I was like I'm going to I love Charlotte I'm, I love it so I went there my dad took me there for a weekend to look around I'm like I love Charlotte I'm going to love it 
I was there three hours. I was like, this is the... Sh- I can't do this. Yeah. And yeah. that second, I was like, I'm going back to New yeah. York. Yeah. I came back here and got into my old tricks and got back into graphic design and got into motion design and video and so, started doing video. So, so you're doing video for a while. But we definitely... So that's 2003 is when you came back. Mm-hmm. Um, 2002, 2003. 2010. Yeah. Is when you started doing improv. Yeah, so that's a seven-year gap of like sort of... I can't believe... Not believing in myself. Again, and I know I mentioned it earlier, like seeing you on stage and just yeah. like the comfortability. Is yeah. That is that a word? Comfortability, probably. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and just like the command that you sometimes have on... Often have on stage. This is your first stage experience? Yeah. Seven years living in the same apartment that I live in now. Sort of doing graphic design. Afraid to leave my house. You know, just sort of not getting out there in the world. And like, I think there was a a lot of depression. I had a buddy that was like, you're going to fucking die. You know. And I remember immersing myself for a good year and a half to two years in an animated film. uh, Which is online now. That you were animating. That you I was animating my, myself. What was it called? Granddaddy Mountain. Granddaddy Mountain. About a little girl who's basically abandoned in a shack in the Tennessee woods. And she's waiting for her, her grandfather to come back. And oh, there's... Shit. Did you see... I'm oh, sorry. We're, oh, you no. know we're out there right now. It doesn't matter. Um, I'll stay here until the, 2 in the morning. The Yahoo... Uh, not Yahoo. The Pixar film. <laughs> Yahoo. Yahoo. Uh, the Pixar film... The, the little short they did with, uh, it's like not for kids, the Western, where, uh, do you know what I'm talking about no, at all? No. Nothing. So, um, give me more info. I might know. Okay. It. So if the stagecoach is going and like the, the guys remembering his, youth. I just saw that. What? I just saw it this week. Whoa. That is an incredible film. Dude, that is some dark. It might be called Stagecoach or something. It's, I don't know. It's but it's going to win the Academy Award. It's going, it's going to win it's the Academy very, Award. It's very... Not that, yeah. not as accomplished as that, yeah, but it's very much about a very simple intro, it's, introversion. It's, it's incredibly simple. Yeah. Like even to the point when you watch it, like when it finishes, like, uh, so what happens, listeners, if you're still there, is uh, there's a stagecoach going and, and, and so we're getting flashbacks of someone who's riding uh, when they were younger with their yeah. father. And the stagecoach ends up going over the cliff due to the son's actions. And his hesitance, I believe, right? And his hesitance. And there's a mistake. There's a little bit of a chance, a rock, yeah. you know, whatever. But, like, so he, as an older man, is walking And up he's the, the sheriff now, he's right? He's the sheriff now. Yeah. And, and he's reliving in his mind this experience as he walks towards the cliff. And, like, he's crumbling. And, like, what's funny is it's like, it's Pixar. Like, these are the Pixar guys. So, like, it's the Pixar funny, like, Finding Dory animation. But it's thick. But the tone is real. So, you were describing the tone of your film. That's why it, I went there. I find them so similar. Yeah. And I didn't think about it at the time because it's so much more accomplished than what I did. Yeah. It's just so much better. <laughs> yeah. But it's really the about... what led me there. It's a story about a little... It's actually done in 3D. Uh, but just not, it's just very rudimentary or whatever, or at yeah. least I feel like it is. Maybe because it didn't get into any festivals. I was no, like, oh, it sucks. Whatever, yeah. But it's about a little girl whose fa- 
in, it's left ambiguous, but I, in my mind, her grandfather has died, and her grandfather took care of her, and he's now dead, and, and she's alone in this shack in the mountains, and she has no, no one to talk to, and she's stranded there, you know, and they are so, so distant that she's probably going to die because there's no communication, and she's just waiting for something the way someone would be on a deserted, deserted island. And a butterfly happens upon her. And the short film is about this very short time she has with the butterfly that she spends. And this time that she has with this butterfly is about a minute of the story. And then the butterfly, who doesn't know how important they've become in her life, flies away. And then she goes back to her... Doesn't understand the impact it's making. The butterfly never understands what it's... Point but was. It's like, it, uh, like it's not like a a, a model who like like under, look at me. A butterfly doesn't m- might not know what its wings right that could do. That's wow. So it's a story about a little girl who has a very short moment of humor of uh, of contact with something alive. Yeah, and something then beautiful. she has it's yeah gorgeous. Yeah. And then it leaves and it lets and it's. And it's gone, and she doesn't know when the next one's gonna yeah. come back, or if it will ever happen. That if will ever, ever happen again. Yeah, so it's like relationships, you know. Yeah. It's it's really like no, you it's ever, kind of everything in life, like yeah. anything good that happens in your life, is that going to happen again? Like it's that, and you sort of have it's like to. The, it's it's like Temple of Doom in Gremlins. <laughs> like, is that gonna happen again? Yeah, is, you like, don't is know. that moment of beauty gonna happen again? But it's like you ever fallen in love, and the relationship ends, yeah. and you say. I can either accept this as as a great time to be in love and just let go. And that's what she sort of does. She says, you know what? She says, that was good. That was good, and now I move on. And uh, it didn't quite quite hit it. It's a hard thing to do because of the reason we're talking about. Because you don't know if it's going to happen again. So you hang on Mm -hmm. because you want it to continue happening instead of hoping it'll happen again or trying to make it happen again. Yeah. So that film did. Granddaddy Mountain. That film did not become a hit for me. That was not a hit. But uh, I I think, and I I mean this very sincerely, I think your uh, filmmaking uh, successes are are absolutely ahead of you. Um, But there have been some pretty cool things you've done recently and yeah. uh the only f- the upper west side upper east side so i'm gonna i'm gonna flash forward the reason i brought up that short was because that experience made me get into improv because i was like i want to get i want to get involved with humans again yes i want to see humans yes i almost left the imp- improv thing behind which is like yes go ahead uh yeah i want to address that but um so i took my first improv class specifically because i spent so much time doing that short that i wanted to meet people again yeah, i wanted I to get up to a human I was like basically Steve Bartman. You wanted that connectivity that they yeah. the butterfly. Yeah, I feel really, I feel very <laughs> Steve Bartman esque uh, lately. Like I'm yeah. like, like I think people are getting him now. Like yeah, you, I'm like fucking home? right. Can you go home? I'm like right on. Don't fucking show up to to Wrigley. Yeah, say fucking no forever. Ever forever. Don't ever fucking go back okay. to Wrigley. And you're a fucking more. You're more of a of a legend if you don't go back yeah. than if you ever like. All right, I'll throw out the yeah, first pitch. Yeah. <laughs> no, tell them to fuck no. off forever. No. 
But anyway, I wanted to get involved with people. I wanted to meet people. I took a chance. I took a class. I was what? What was like that? Like thing? Like what made you like? I need. I need to go do this. I think you were just saying that. It's like I. I thought I'd give it a shot. No, no, but like, I guess what I'm asking is more specific. Like, did you think you had the knack for it? I mean, you do, but like, I don't remember anymore. Okay, it's the most truth. And I, I, I've never gotten a chance to tell anyone. I don't remember why I took a class. I don't remember why I did it. The only thing I remember was saying, I want to try something now that I've made this short. I feel a little brave. I feel like I could accomplish something. It was very difficult. It took a year and a half. Now I can try something else. But I don't remember why I thought I would be good at it. And I was hung over the day of the first class. That's understandable to me. Like, 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 why did you, like, dive into writing, like, make writing a priority for me or something like that? Yeah. Like, I, I, there's not a specific answer I can give. It, it's more like, I'm not trying to, like, go above board and be like, it's, you know, it was meant to, like, it was leading me that way. But, like, <clears throat> I'm sure there was, like, a specific thought that happened at one point. Yeah. But, like, but, like, the trajectory leads you places. Like, yeah. things you do, each decision has led, and each decision led you. I just remember a buddy had done some stand-up at the pit. I remember that I saw the pit website at the time had Christian Shaw on the, like, cover. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'll show up to this. And I remember being hungover the first time, being horrible in my first class, and just not being able to follow along. So I made a point to be very with it the next week. Yeah. And it still wasn't very good. And in the third class, something I had like, something where I just rocked. Yeah. And I, and at the end, of, and this was not even a real class. This was like, a, like intro to intro. It was like, do anything, and we won't tell you not to do yeah, it. Yeah, you're like paying. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember Pete LePage, who still is a great improviser and and comedian at the pit to this day was my first teacher ever and he said at the end of the class he was like if you keep up with this you're gonna be good at it and they'll they'll let you play here thank Pete LePage's of this world like isn't that like, like no he so didn't have to say that but no, he told me no, yeah. no one has to say that like there's like, some <coughs> people have said similar things to me or I've seen stories of someone just being like if you keep going he I literally is the guy you. Like, that's he said. literally is the guy he said dude if you take the classes, yeah. If you put you, in the work, if you put in the work and just do what, yeah. do all the things, he said. If you don't get on a team, I'll write a letter and tell him to put you on a team. <laughs> no, he was probably drunk. Like I didn't want to hold him. I didn't want to hold him to that. But he was literally like, if you do it, something will happen with yeah. it. And at it's that time, how that can go a long way. Do you, Do you feel getting to where you have? Uh, do you like? Better in that way to do like people you see like I mean because I mean you're you're in danger yeah, now yeah with uh I know Evan Kaufman mm-hmm. and Kate Hartman yeah uh those, I mean like Hartman was one of uh they're, Katie they're both so fucking yeah. talented it's uh I want David Carl and Katie Hartman to revive. David, uh, David and Katie get, get married. married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We love that. I wrote an article about that. I love that. They need to. Um, um, well, uh, Katie was one of the first comedians I ever saw at the pit. And really? I didn't... Yeah, before I ever took an improv class. But I'll tell you, to, to answer your question about yeah. do I do the same thing with other people, yeah. when I see someone that's talented yeah. and has so much talent to offer, 
rather than tell them you they're going to be great. <laughs> no, <laughs> what I do is I want to perform with them or do a video okay, with yeah, them yeah, or yeah. work with them. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember, which is the same thing as a vote of confidence. It's it's, it's probably yeah. it just I just become I just immediately want to think of a cool project yeah. and work with them where we could, where we could do something yeah. And yeah. around that. Uh, um, great example is who's uh, uh, one of the great. Uh, female uh, improvisers on my team and which is one of the great people I know in my life uh, Claire Yale yeah. she's a young improviser I remember seeing her uh, perform when, when she first started out and just being like wow she just has this thing that is truly her own and she can answer she can respond to a line in a way that no one else can and I, I just remember thinking like not that I, I had any uh, knowledge to impart on oh, yeah, to her yeah, that yeah. just that I want to perform with her or yeah. play uh, you know yeah. and uh, and it, I was lucky enough to where fate turned out that we ended up being on the same team together but when I find people to be to be talented and interesting I just invite them to do something yeah. sometimes they're you know they're big shots already and yeah. I don't realize it a lot yeah. of times you know we you get a lot of Chicago improvisers who come to who moved to New York and you think oh well, they they probably want to do some shows or something yeah, they just think you don't like, realize they've got they like, like so much cred yeah. you're like all right sorry is that happening like like cause, um I had the privilege of watching you from you know 2010 like when you started like in fall fall started was it weird did you feel old yeah was it any time you felt yeah old? definitely was that weird? to the point where I said I'm not gonna try to do any of this for real because I'm I don't want to be the old guy well, yeah. yeah you remember the old guy in college that's why, that's why I, I did ask you what the spark was I too the old guy get, you know what I mean like, he got drugs though that old guy could get drugs they would get drugs for everyone no but like he knew he's been in college for eight yeah. years he could get the good drugs but they would always come into class I have 25 oh, notes wait, I want to your talk. old guy in college was still in college <laughs> Like the old, old guy that guy took classes, still kicking it. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Like the old guy that took classes, like yeah. the fifty-year-old guy that yeah. would start and he, they were oh. like the most oh. verbal. I was thinking of a townie. Like I went townie. Oh um, no no no! But you're talking about like the old guy who shows up to school. Yeah, and they try too hard. I credit with people like I'll go back to school and like go get it, but then I'm like. Yeah, me, like when I started improv, I didn't want to be like the old person that like was annoying. Yeah, but. But the, like, but I became that anyway. I still became that. But but was was that a real challenge? I th- I think there was because uh, you know our friend who who has connected us and the reason we're talking here. Uh, Paul. He was older. Paul Gakowski. He was older. Yeah. You guys ran into each other early, yeah. and then some of the people who were doing it. I mean, definitely feel like older souls. I'm thinking of Haldan McCain. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Kimbo. Hal's right? a very young guy, though. Both of those Hal guys are very young. Hal, Hal, I think, is living with eight kids in, like, Bushwick right now. Like, <laughs> he probably yeah, is. he's a child. But, like, yeah. but, like, but... It was very... It was. What I'm saying is they were accepting. It wasn't, like, young... Everyone was so accepting. But that's what I'm asking. Yeah. I never had anyone say, it's weird that you're so... No one knew that I was 36 when I started. Yeah. Yeah, Everyone thought I was. Weird. Uh, weird at the point. Now people think I'm sixty. Yeah, now you're just. Like, oh, you're <laughs> like, I've 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 laid into it. Yeah. <clears throat> but at the time, I looked the part of a twenty-five-year-old. Totally. Yeah. So no one really he got had it. A spirit too. Like I just probably. See, see, you know, not probably. I saw the early days of uh, 
Yeah. That's the good song to see. But I was, you know, it was so new to me yeah. and it was so fresh that I was very, I wanted to make it immediately. Yeah. And I didn't even know what making it was. Yeah. I had no idea what that even was. But now I know. It was killing it. But it was killing it. It was, it was killing it, was, it, it was every single killing. moment. Yeah. And that sometimes is not a good thing. Sometimes you have to, like, breathe <laughs> the, a little bit. The brain's yeah. hard part. It takes a while. It takes a while to, like... I think I was so excited when I started that I wanted to, like, sort of destroy every time I went out there. And, yeah. and sometimes I would, but sometimes it wouldn't quite work out. Yeah, and going, get going out there with uh, the this, this sword pulled out, unsheathed completely is, is yeah. not... No. Probably not always the best. What if you were a basketball player playing 82 games? And, yeah, <laughs> you know, totally. yeah. You have to pace yourself and, like... Um, getting on a team that got a chance to play once a week, yeah. which happened and started happening in 2012 yeah. with like USA and like house teams and stuff, you start learning that you gotta, it, it, it's more about, it takes a while to learn that it's more about a group yeah. making something yeah. that they present to the audience every yeah. week than you doing something cool. Being from uh, someone who appreciates film work too, mm-hmm. that's a collaborative effort as well yeah so like it, it, it is it's, it, it isn't about you but it's right. about you as part of the whole so yeah more so in improv than anything totally at least for me right now yeah. with films and starting to make short films some of that some of what I'm doing is a response to the sort of with improv and when you really learn more about it you learn that you're you should you're really trying to serve the group every week the filmmaking I do you start doing is a response of like trying to serve yourself serve a little yourself. bit oh, yeah, <laughs> you're trying to write your own thing yeah, you know? yeah. But no which is I think like when you watch mind if I use the restroom really quick absolutely we have yeah I'm gonna be much more funny after <clears throat> uh, sorry about that where were we yeah where improv. were we improv improv um, anyway yeah so you know improv led me to start doing my own shorts and what started out as doing comedic shorts became oh I've wanted to be a filmmaker all these years and I feel like doing improv and doing comedy somehow started making me understand how to what I wanted to do what uh, what I think what it also gives you is um, access to talent Mm -hmm. is that like a uh, it's something I see just because like yeah you like not like the great improvisers I've watched and like just watching improv a lot for the last you know six or seven years they're great actors yeah you know and, and just they're able to expose emotions and have a bunch of people to work with so I think you've utilized yeah. that well, well improvisers you're talking about people who you know when you take away the lines and the, you take away the dialogue they're really being themselves in they're imagining scenarios but yeah. they're being themselves most of the time yeah. um, you know you, you talk about playing a character but I, I would say 99% of the time most improvisers are just playing themselves okay. feeling emotions and I think that's uh, that builds a lot of uh, acting prowess yes I think yeah uh, if you're good, if you if you're into it, if you really want to, you know, find yeah, yeah, your emotions that, and stuff. But the biggest well, yeah, that that's being nature. It's yeah, not just, it's just not all about like yeah. But the biggest thing about it. me wanting to make films was I was like, wow, I know at least thirty people 
who can play any character yeah. I've ever thought up, and that <clears throat> never dawned on me so before. So then they go right to Shogun um, of the Upper, what's that called, West East Side. Shogun of the Upper East Side. It, that is, can, can you talk a little bit yes. about what that is, so just to, so we can talk about it? Mm-hmm. So after doing improv for a few years and trying to do different things and seeing people do web series and, and such, I started thinking about my life and I started thinking about things that were interesting to me. And uh, I became obsessed with these guys on the Upper East Side that just sort of hung out. And they were they yeah. were usually like supers, the supers that were always working on fixing up things, you know. But you'd also just see, it's like the Upper East Side... You think of it as the most boring place in the world, but you get a lot of the craziest people of New York find themselves there. Sure. You know, you'll get like who guys who knew. Calling it the most boring, but like I, maybe like maybe I'm like, maybe I'm being protective because I lived there for so long, and yeah. I'd be like, you guys would hate it. Yeah. But like, I used to get my haircut by the guy who invented the Ramones haircut. The guy. There's a moment for the Ramones. There is a guy who cut my hair, and he claimed that he invented how he cut well, all the of the Ramones' haircuts. Like, is that the claimed is just as important as if it's I would real. say, yeah, claim is more. <laughs> but like, he was like, no, I traveled with them. I traveled with them, and I cut their hair, and I yeah. did the bangs, and I thought of the bangs. Yeah. But like, you get guys like that on the Upper East Side who just hang out yeah. all day totally. and I started thinking about that and I was like what if a guy you know what if what if a guy really thought of himself as the most powerful man on the Upper East Side and I think one of the there's a line in the movie Casino yeah. where the guy where Robert De Niro said and these are secretly the guys who run Las Vegas and they were like sort of mobsters but they also probably weren't the guys who ran Las Vegas yeah. and I just remember thinking about what if a guy thought he ran the Upper East yeah, Side yeah. And I and I started writing this story about a guy who believed in his head that he was the most powerful man on the Upper East Side, was, and was next to a, was next to being homeless, you know, and what you could do with that level of delusions of grandeur. Yeah, I love the line between <clears throat> like being a god in the area and being basically a homeless person. And the truth is, is well, I, it I, isn't that small. Yeah, and and one of the big inspirations was seeing a a, a, a gentleman who had a, an apartment and hung out in the same pizzerias as me become a homeless man. Yeah. So I uh, and he's still uh, he's had ups and downs to this day over over nineteen years of me living in the Upper East Side. Yeah. I've seen him be homeless and I've seen him eating out of trash cans, and I've also seen him fully clothed and have a job. Yeah. And it's crazy to me. And that was one of the inspirations. Someone bounce up and down between yeah. those. Like. So on the Upper East Side, I've actually seen people with jobs become homeless. And then it inspired the story about yep. a guy who became a small town, a small time hustler of specifically about eight blocks of of New York. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> definitely inspired by Wes Anderson. Totally. But also inspired by the movie Barry Lyndon. Big time inspired by Barry Lyndon. In what way? Because it's about a uh, a hoodlum sort of guy that came from the wrong side of the tracks, and he pushed his way into the upper class, and his true nature pushed him back out yeah. of it. 
and I love it, and it's such an amazing film, and no one wants to fucking watch it, and it's like, <laughs> watch this fucking movie. Yeah, what are you doing tonight? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you want to watch Bingo? <laughs> no. no. Um, this is the characters are so defined, mm-hmm. and they just, first off, can people watch this? Like, is it on? Shogun and the Upper East Side? Yeah. Yeah, it's on uh, it's on my Vimeo. Okay, but if so you I go to Mitch, the, I can share the link when I share. Well, yeah. So if you go to MitchLucas.com, yep. you'll have no problem finding it. Okay, MitchLucas.com. Yeah. So it's an 18 minute short film yep. about a about a guy who is aspiring to be an Upper East Side specific mobster, yep. and he is having trouble with his mentor, uh, Madame Detremont, who is. Uh, hey. uh, a baller, a ballerina, turned mobster, played by Jody Lennon, who is uh, from the comedy uh, series Exit Fi- Exit Thirty Seven. I think it's Exit Fifty Seven. Oh, I should check. Shit. We yeah, cut this. Sorry, I know this is probably live. Uh, well, that's what's amazing to me is like the. That's what I enjoy. Exit fifty seven. Thought it was fifty seven all the time. Yeah. Is how defined these characters are. Yeah. Everyone you run into, whether it's uh, you know Paul's character, who, who are the other actors in there? Like uh, Meredith Hackman plays yeah. my sidekick Izzy Sinclair. Yep. Sarah Peel plays Olivia. My she was great. Yeah, she's so funny in it. Yeah. She plays sort of my original partner in crime who ended up choosing. To go with uh, Madame Detremont to the yeah. dark side, basically, yeah. it's very taking a lot of Star Wars things. Who, if it's not with me, well, it's like, your turning well, to the that, dark well, side. Well, that's what's so fun about Shogun to me is like, like characters and like pulpy, mm-hmm. like like what you just said, like the Star Wars influence. It's like you can see within twenty minutes. Oh, it's all over so the place. It's just so. Though. It's, it's so, so much there. Like you're quirky, fun, great filmmaker influence and like I, I want to see more of it. Well, it's coming. There's yeah. a lot of a lot of Cash good stuff pizza. coming. Cash for Pizza was Shogun in the Upper East Side was done, didn't get into a mini festivals yeah. and had some interest but like didn't quite do what I wanted and I was Cash like, what's next? Cash for Pizza was all, all over the place. Uh, like, that was on Fun or Die, right? Yes. Yeah. And Cash for Pizza was something that sat around for three years Another thing that I oh, wasn't really? that I wasn't like confident enough to write. That's just funny. <laughs> but it existed in bits and pieces for oh, three years, okay. and it was like this idea of my mom. It reminds me of is Tim and Eric. Uh, huge. At all? Huge. It reminds me of very Tim yeah. and Eric. Huge yeah. for for that. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's like um, I think everybody's so influenced by them, and it's so Not hard. Everybody. There's times I put that on for people, and they're like. Don't get Leave it. the room. Like, seriously, like... Well, we've entered the green screen culture of comedy, where yeah. everything is in front of a green screen. Yeah. And I like to think Cash for Pizza is a good example of that. Yes. But, like... Um, but the the specific idea was... was I love the idea of Cash for Gold, because I was like, this is pointless. If, it, if it's shit, yeah. then you're gonna get shit. shit. Yeah. But my mom... Was like, do you have any fucking gold? Anything, anything that's fucking gold. She was like, she would call me. She saw the things. Yeah, like we need. Yeah, she was. Do you have any? Do you have anything that is valuable? Send it to me. We'll get. You know. I was. Do you really? You know. But I also love the idea that anything, any commercial, 
from the 90s would tell you that you can get a ton of shit for nothing. Yeah. And I just love that idea. But Cash for Pizza, I, another one, I don't remember why I came up with how I came yeah. up with the idea. But it was sort of organically in my head for two years. And after Shogun of the Upper East Side, which I was very proud of, proud of making yeah. it, and I was like, what's next? I tried to write longer things. I was like, write something stupid. Write something yeah. in an hour. Yeah. And I think doing improv, but making that bigger thing and making a couple longer things gave me the confidence to know that I could do something quick, yeah. pretty quickly, yeah. you know? So I wrote Cash for Pizza in about 30 minutes. Like, I literally sat down... <laughs> And I and I'm lucky enough to have a job where I have a computer and I have I all my apps say, it's and not everything. About just like what you wrote, which is great, like amazing. Yeah, it's about how it it's every, it's Yeah, like, it's the whole. It's, it's like, like, like everything, like the piece of music, you know, like it's the visual aspect of it. I worked as hard on the visuals as in I spent it's, 20 minutes on the that's script. The crux. I spent two weeks the on crux the, of the matter effects. Is, is 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 how it looked. That's the <laughs> yeah. The jokes are all based. Visual-based jokes. Uh, I will tell you... It's a home run. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Benier Thomas, who does the Cash for Pizza voice... Yeah. So many revisions of oh, yeah. Cash for... Like, you don't understand. You, you hear it, and you're like, it's great. He probably did it in two seconds. Yeah. No. This was a... He was adored with me. No, I mean, he wasn't. But, like, we talked about the intonations that, of that forever. That, that detail... Yeah. Fucking matters. Yeah, I was like, no, you're you're mad. Yeah, he was like, yeah, he was like, it took a while to get there, you know. Yeah. And he was like, cash for pizza. I'm like, no, you're you're pissed off. You're 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 a coke addict. Cash for pizza. I'm like, a little too fast. Like, yeah. I don't know. There's something about comedy where it can be the stupidest thing in the world, but if you really want it to be funny, you have to treat it like Kubrick is doing oh, it. You yeah. know. It, there's nothing wrong with being overly serious. Yeah, um, you have to sort of I, that's what, like, take it seriously. That's what I think I, you know, once Paul got into improv and I was working with you and, like, you know, I got to start watching it and, like, I got the chance to start asking highbrow questions yeah. about method and improv yeah. and why you, why you guys make the choices you do the way I see it has been completely different and now when I watch it it's a whole different ballgame yeah it's very it's interesting an because again, it's an art it's like the aquarium again it's like it's like the more you know about anything the more you can understand you know the methodology of the whole thing mm-hmm. it, it makes it bigger so the thing you learn about comedy it's that it's just what you have to put into it. You know, it's your, it's not even so much your life experience. It's just what your interest is and what you want to put into it. And if you're, if you're really into what's going on right now, that's great. If you love that you hate Trump and that's your thing, then that's fine or whatever. But if you really are interested in aquariums, you can find a way to make a sketch about aquariums and it's like I'm you know you can read any book or read anything and there's really no right or wrong answer but if you want to make comedy about aquariums then there's no no one telling you you can't do that you know so I don't live I don't pursue any of this thinking anything big's gonna happen so I figure why not make a thing about the stupidest thing in the world and let five people like it and it all goes back to our, my buddy, 
and I, you know, putting the mannequin on top oh. of the head. It's just, I learned at an early age to amuse yourself. Amuse yourself. It's just running up the theater on each side. Yeah. Like, it'd be stuff, and hopefully people will come along. Yeah, I just, I don't, I've never, I've never thought about comedy as what's going on right now? What's hot? What's interesting? Yeah. What are people talking about? I don't care. I care about what's going on in my apartment. Is there yeah. is there a piece of lint that I am so lazy that I will not There's pick up? that's going to be more timeless about that. Like, it has to be I, something like, that people are going to think is funny in 20 years, yeah. you know? So cash for pizza, yeah, people will forget about cash for gold, but they're always going to be thinking about it, the it, fact that we want something for nothing. Totally. No, like the cash for gold thing... Disappearing has nothing to do with cash pizza being fun. No, because it's like we know as Americans that we live our lives by the fact that we have been taught that a smart person will yeah. get ta- will get famous tomorrow if they just figure out something on Instagram or whatever. Did you watch the Tim and Eric Totina's pizza roll? I've watched so much Tim and Eric, but I don't know if I've seen that one. Okay. Well, we'll Tell that. me about it if you have time. But. No, it, it's it's it has a lot of like it's parallelism. It's like so Tina's gave Tim and Eric money. Yeah. To make. Oh really? This real thing, and I don't know how they feel about what came of it, but oh, they sort of it's did so the opposite of what they it's wanted. So good, it's so good. The what's, uh, uh, what's next for you? Well, you I want to talk like, about if we have time. I want to talk about one sketch we, between we what's to, next. There's no okay time of me. Already breaking your beyond the margin records. Yeah. Um, the next sketch I did was something that is similar in terms of thinking about commercials and thinking about what's inherently wrong with what we're telling society. And it was um, a sketch called Legacy Prime Life, and it was a life insurance commercial. I don't know if you've seen that one. I haven't. No. So that's one that how, ended up getting onto the home. I... That got onto the homepage of Funny or Die, which okay. I was very proud of. Got way further than Cash for Pizza, actually. But Cash for Pizza was on Funny or Die as well. It was on, but it didn't quite get the, oh, you know. <laughs> yeah, got a lot of negatives. That's bullshit. But, um, but you should, yeah, if you guys want to check out uh, Legacy Prime Life, it's about life insurance and how these commercials tell it. As long as you're 50, you're, you've got life insurance. You're yeah. approved. And I, and I was like, what if a guy just wouldn't believe it? Because I'm, I'm having a lot of trouble with health insurance in general. Yeah. And I'm paying huge premiums and huge deductibles. And I'm like, do, I'm do never going to... Do gonna, Obama care? No, but I have like... If you, if, you're too, if you make enough money, you can't have Obamacare. So you're paying like twice as much yeah. for less. Yeah. So I'm like... There's a line to go over. Yeah. Like, yeah. So it's like... I would have to, I would, I don't know what disease I would have to have to actually have my health insurance kick in. Like, it's insane. Something you would not recover from. Right. Yeah. But if you've ever just given up, it's a sketch about a guy who's given uh, up. That bucket. Yeah. So it's about a guy who just is like, she's like, you will get accepted for this health insurance as long as you know your name. He's like... I, I've changed my name three times. I don't know. Oh, he will not. He will not accept that he can get it because he's given up. You know, so it's called Legacy Prime Life, and that's when I'm really so they try fond and of. Give it to him and he's like, he won't. He's, he's given up. No. Uh, that almost sounds like Martin Short. 
Probably very mar- well, very very defensive businessman. Defensive yeah. businessman going through all your influences and saying yeah. Uh, but what I just finished, yeah. what you probably wanted to talk about, and what I want to talk about, no, no, really okay. excited about. This is the film I sort of am sitting on, waiting for the festivals to make their decisions on or whatever. It's been something that I've been working on for about a year now, and I started on it before. Any of the sketches that I've put out, Cash or Pizza, and yeah. any of them, I started yeah. building this film and taking breaks from it and, and such. And it's an animated film, uh, and it's called Greggy. And it's about... Uh, I sort of like the idea of not telling people what it's about, but I will tell you what it's about. Um, a, little, a little something. <laughs> yeah. But it's basically about... It's What do you do? Just like, just like yo, it's just Greggy. You'll yeah, see, you'll see. Like, not a great log line. Greggy, <laughs> fuck off. Yeah. Uh, so, like, what if the movie Ordinary People was exactly Ordinary People, yeah. but the Tim... Hut, Tim Hutton? Hudson. Hudson. Hutton. Tim, Hutt, Timothy Hutt, Hutton. Hutton. There's a T. Yeah. If, there, if the Timothy Hutton character was a great white shark. Yeah. Everyone else was human. <laughs> And everything was the same, circle, but he was a great white shark. Yeah. So it's a it's a story about um, it's a story about a great white shark mm-hmm. who was a teenager, and he his mom has remarried. A teenage. He's a teenager. With 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 all the angst that comes. All the being angst. A teenage white shark. He's an eighties goth metal teenager, yeah. pot user. He's modern, so he vapes. You know everything yeah. that a, that a, no, he's not he has no friends. Weed, no, yeah. he has no friends. His mom Rhonda, who loves him more than anything in the world, has recently remarried to um, his new stepfather Mark. Yeah. In this <laughs> short, every stepfather named Mark. <laughs> that is why I named him Mark because in my head they are all Mark, named Mark. Named Mark. What a Mark. And this is sort of a, a typical morning for them. You know, and it was inspired by my friend Greg, uh, who I went and saw uh, one of the movies that I was talking about with either Empire Strikes Back or or one of them. But um, he he had a, a stepfather, and I would go to their house, and he scared the shit out of me. And my mom told me once she, she said, "Well, you know, he w- tried to put him up for adoption." I'm like, what are you oh, fucking... he got with the mom? He's yeah. like, yeah, we gotta get rid of this guy. Yeah. So the stepdad said... <laughs> he said, you know, we don't fucking need... Between the three of us, we don't need one of them yeah. in the mix. Yeah. He tried to put his new wife's son yeah, no, up for yeah, adoption yeah. so that his life would be more chill. Yeah. And I, I remember being terrified by this guy. the situation if we could drop one. I'm sorry? He's like, I'm yeah. the We're all good. If we're all good. I'm here. If we get fucking rid of him. Drop one of these. And this is like, mix this with Pac-Man just being on, <laughs> the, when Pac-Man just gets on Atari. So that's where we are. So like, Stranger Things, this is like a weird era. So this is sort of, this film is dedicated to yeah. like kids who have weird stepfathers weird who are stepfathers. assholes. They all named Mark. Yeah, and this film is uh, like any film I do. It's very passionate. Yeah. I think it's funny, but I don't do I don't do comedy from a from a very 
it's lowbrow, but it's very passionate. I'm very yeah. passionate about totally. it. Took a year to pull off. The characters always seem to really matter to you. Yeah. And I think that goes back to your PTA, your Quentin, like, like, it's just like, these eccentric characters are yeah. so, not, like, I think the word I'm looking for is defined. Mm-hmm. It's like, you make your characters be defined, and like, I see that in your comedy, too. Like, when you choose a character in improv or what, or like, doing something else, it's defined. It, yeah. It, it's old. It, it means something. I try to just as with Takashi Amano doing yeah. an aquarium, I try to use the boldest stroke I can yeah. because if you if you go into a show sketching it out or trying to use small strokes, it's not quite as bold. And yeah. I, I just, I love the idea of using a big brush. And, yeah. and that is, I, I don't always succeed, but that's what I try to do. So, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's bold choices. Uh, yeah. Uh, they, they, at the end of the day, they'll they'll serve you or they'll kill you, but exactly. it's like... But you want to find out. Yeah. Do you want to go into life being Babe Ruth or Wade Boggs? I'm, I'm picking Babe Ruth. I'm picking a failed Babe Ruth. Just, my friend had the picture of Wade Boggs on the horse. Actually, I, I sort of love Wade Boggs. Wade Boggs that was a bad Maybe example. Babe Ruth or uh, Phil McConkie. All right, yeah. Who is the guy for... Who, now I'm segging, segueing. Who was the guy for the Brewers that had Tourette syndrome? Oh, from the '80s and '90s. Jesus, he was a he was a royal for a while. You have no idea what I'm talking to you. No, and I know baseball. Oh shit, he's he's pretty famous too. So it's either Babe Ruth or the guy from the Royals who <laughs> Babe. Yeah. Um, what's going on next to you? What can we promote? Like. Uh. Gypsy so Danger. in the immediate, Gypsy Gypsy yes, very cool, very cool, uh, a very cool thing with Gypsy Danger. We are doing a show Halloween night. Where? At the Pit Loft. It's an hour long horror film, and we know horror like the nobody. Pit loft, so the pit's on twenty. It's the original pit. It's on 29th and Sixth Avenue. The regular the pit now is on twenty. Fourth between 24th. Lex and Park. And the old pit is the Pit Loft now, which is. It's 29th and 6th Avenue. Yeah. I think I'm doing a quiz. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, if you're li- really listening to this, yeah. you're never getting into this pitch. But look, yeah. it's happening Monday night. It's happening Monday night. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going because I'm going to make you go. But no, uh, we're doing a really fun hour long show. And all, like, we have so many people on our team that are doing so many amazing things. Yeah. Evan Kaufman is just blowing up. He's- Evan, Evan Kaufman is a genius. Yeah. He's a comedic, musical genius. I want to talk... And he's a good... Uh, Evan might have stuck with us. Evan might be here right Evan now. Evan might still be here. Evan might still be here. He's I want to talk... He's power forward. Oh, I've heard... I've heard different... No, I'm kidding. Well, he, he, I knew he, you guys had a team. Well, he didn't show up for the championship game. Well, that... I mean, that fucks him up. I mean, that... <laughs> yeah. Come on. We no, got it, though. We want it. Uh, I do... I do want to talk about some of the great people on my team if you have Please, time yeah, no, no, um, Evan Kaufman is like uh, I would say with without a doubt the most uh, inspiring person I've ever been on stage with yeah. I th- probably the most talented but I would say 
what he gives you to work with is the best I've ever gotten. Yeah. He's made me a genius more times than any person should should ever uh, have a chance That's to be. That's really good for me to hear. Yeah. Because, like, my take on Evan is, like, sometimes when I'm watching him, I'm like, look at Evan get his. Because, like, he's such a powerful... Not, not even... No, that's, no, yeah. that, that's what I'm saying. Like, and I mean that... I mean, I mean no disrespect. What I'm saying yeah. is, like, what I see from him is such a powerful entity. Like... You like, don't understand how many times I mean, he's made me funny. That's awesome. When I, when I was just, you know, trying to, like, figure out an idea, and he, like, figured the idea out yeah. with me... He's, or like I said, he's a genius. Yeah, the big, <laughs> the bigger thing with Evan is like I remember so many times that I've been shot and killed in a scene, yeah. and he's found a way to bring me back. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's just so as he knew I was bad. He's, he's, a, he's yeah. a revivalist. No, but Evan Kaufman is. Um, I'm so I'm so like lucky to what's, have. What's going to gonna be fun work is with him. like because podcasts exist, like they're out there, and yeah. like, my hope with the this. The consummate Mitch Lucas interview is that, you know, one day people come back and like, yeah, you want to know about Mitch? Yes. Yeah. What you've done and like, we've covered so much, but like, same thing like Evan, like, I see huge things. Oh, yeah. Huge things. Right? Yeah. Like, it, like, and probably sooner rather than later. Yeah, I want to have I want to have it on a record of, record of my of <laughs> my interests. Yeah, you do comedy with Evan. Yeah, he is that. He's a he's uh, to say that. I'm watching him. I'm like, why are you here? Yeah, why are you on this stage? Yeah, that we we enjoy him. We know that he's doing uh, a lot of amazing things, and we're always excited when. When uh, Gypsy has a show and he's in there, he's he's in the mix and all those things. But uh, he he's uh, he's great and he's somebody I I Who else? love Let's playing with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, bye, Evan. Uh, yeah, no, Katie Hartman. Uh, she was one of she was someone I I watched when I yeah. didn't had never done an improv show or taken a class or anything else and. I like you're looking at me and you're like, wow, this guy's sort of led, led a charmed comedy life. Like I've gotten to play with some of the most amazing people, uh, yeah, and they're, they're yeah, they're going to be like crazy. And like yeah. uh, Katie's played with Leah Reddick and Skinny Bitch Jesus Beanie yeah. for like many years, and now they're starting to both blow up. And it's yeah. like you're seeing like she's doing videos on uh, seriously uh, TV. Oh, I hope it's seriously. I hope it's not scratch. I think it's seriously TV. It's seriously TV. Yeah, yeah and absolutely. like she's doing uh, stuff every day, and she's doing amazing work. Yeah. And uh, and and you're you know, but those are great, and it's amazing. But until you really play with her, you don't understand really her power. It's just she's just so understanding of what you're trying to give her. Yeah. Like, you know. I have an idea. I have a comedic idea. Nobody gets it. I'm going to throw it to you. Katie understands it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I want to talk about my buddy, Nick Carrillo. We've played for for years and years together. He's another guy. Any movie reference I throw out, he's just fucking got it. And he makes it, he makes it into something. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you know, he just gets me and we, and I get him and, We've played for so many years together, and we have such a comfortable vibe. 
Ben Yeager Thomas, I'm humbled by his talent. Yes, yes, yes. I'm saying yes, yes, over and over. I haven't seen him in a while. Oh, he's, yeah. Yeah. That's the great thing is when you don't see people for a while, it's because they're, like, blowing up. You know what I mean? But uh, but Ben's getting back into the mix within Gypsy Danger, and uh, his talent is crazy. He, like, he grounds the group. He's our bass player. But, like... The thing I've always said about our group is he's he's the bass player that also can do guitar solos. Like yeah. he's so funny. Yeah, he'll he'll play guitar solo on his bass. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Claire Yale is an, is a younger player who's just gonna blow up. I I want people to like look. She's in Cash for Pizza actually. She's she uh, she says. Uh, can I can I uh, can I bring in pizza with money in my yeah. pocket? You know. She's so chill. I'm so and excited to like share all these links because like, Cashew Pizza is fucking hysterical. Like, I hope it gets know. a second life. I love the video. I yeah. love I love how quickly we did it. We had about two and a half hours, and I I directed it with my friend Sean Wickens, and Sean wanted me to do so many takes. Was Sean was he at the pit the other night? Yes, we no, were drinking Sean, together. Yes, we were all drinking yeah. together. Yeah, Sean helped me direct that video, and Sean. Sean's a talent. He is a massive yeah. talent, and he's one of my biggest influences in comedy. Yeah. And like, yeah, we've done so many things together. Shout out to Sean. Yeah, Sean has. Shout out to Sean for listening to me that night too. Like, oh my so god, nice. he's great. Kind of a little little yeah, something for the road. To say goodbye. Uh, yeah, Sean Wickens has uh, a lot of great work. He's part of Bad Theater Fest, which is coming out uh, next week. Uh, Sean Wickens is uh, uh, has been around for a number of years, and he's a great comedian. Yeah. Part of Junior Varsity at the Magnet Theater, uh, but on Gypsy Danger, yeah, you've got Devin Heater, Match dot com commercials, yeah. and many other uh, amazing things. Joanna yeah, Shaw. See these people like bubble into like you know like television, like what I'm watching, like I'm like watching yeah. commercials. I'm like. I never thought any of that was going to happen when I started taking classes. And all these people are, like, doing so so many things. And I'm like, yeah, Yeah. there's no one. You know, it's like... It's not surprising. No. It's not. It's it's really not. You guys are all so crazy talented. I mean, it's it's just like what happened with UCB people. It's just like it's happened with the pit people. Yeah, it's... Nowadays, as a matter of fact, it's, it's so... You know, theater theater sort of recognition is yeah. is fine but it's what you do yeah. and these people that I'm involved with at the pit are doing their thing and totally. like Sarah Peel another member of my team who I play with she's she's just doing so many amazing, amazing things she has her solo comm showing up as well as Joanne Shaw Flam has her solo comm show coming out and these are people now Joanne and I She's part of Paul's Cash for Pizza team. Yeah. Uh, Cash for Pizza. Cash only. Cash only, yeah. Cash yeah. only, yeah. Oh, uh, you know. Uh, they played together for many years. Yeah. And uh, Joanna has her Solocom show coming out. And she's another person I love playing with. And, yeah, I'm very lucky to, to do improv with these people. When and I and I learn from them, but I, I make shorts when I don't get to do my, my weird thing in a show, you know. Yeah. So Gypsy Danger is, is it every Saturday night at the People's Improv Theater? Gypsy Danger is every Saturday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv People's Theater. Improv. Yeah, and, and we open up for the Baldwins, who have been, who are the longest running team with the pit. Really? Yeah. Which one? The younger Baldwin? 
this team is named after uh, probably Billy Baldwin, the yeah, Republican. I, I if I'm if I'm Billy. guessing, it's yeah. Billy. Yeah. Uh, Shogun. Shogun of the Upper East Side is on MitchLucas.com. So if anybody wants but to see anything we've talked about tonight, MitchLucas.com, and and I will ask you to sort of highlight that because that's oh, yeah. the entryway to all but the things we've is, talked is about tonight. Yeah. Nothing, nothing that we've talked about tonight is not on MitchLucas.com. Yeah. So maybe um, Time Bandits is not. There. I will upload it tonight. <laughs> no, Shogun of the Upper East Side is something that took a very long time to put together, and I and I'm very proud of it. I think to me, it's uh, it is what I see you doing in bigger ways moving forward. Like yeah. Shogun's awesome, but like. I just think it's just like it's the seed that like sprouts into like whatever you're doing next. Like I'm like, I not think lying. what yeah, I'm a huge fan of what you do, and it's obvious because we've gone this long. And like that <laughs> our influences like so line that like I completely understand where you're coming from. But like yeah. I love that you're taking where we are both coming from and making it into art. And like I'm. Not getting that I see this is just the beginning, and thank you. I can't wait to watch what moves forward with this whole thing, and I can't thank you enough for being here tonight. Thank you so much. Yeah, we had fun, didn't we? It's been so, so fun, man. I'm really I'm honored to be part of this. Honored to be a part of the longest podcast. Yeah. And beyond the margin history. Since it's the longest, can I tell you one more thing? We have one more story. Uh, so uh, it's like fuck it. Now. Yeah. <laughs> If anybody's listening, I'm working on my first feature, and if you like the things you heard about tonight, my first feature is going to be involving uh, gangs of the 1950s, and it's going to be very cool, and it's going to be black and white, and I'm going to do it for a very small amount of money. So, Are you, are you writing it right now? Where yeah, I'm writing it right now. Do we have a name? Uh, no, if, if we can leave it at a teaser, that's fine. I don't have a name, but if I, if I had to name... Name it, it's called 21 Ounces. 21 Ounces. Look out for 21 Ounces, MitchLucas.com. Mitch, seriously, thank you. Uh, we, 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 we went on this journey together, and, and this has been awesome, man. Thank you so much. I, I've, I've really wanted you in here for a while, so thank you so much. Thanks you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Across the margins. Across the margins.